Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast that will publicly shame you for not knowing the difference between Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster. Shame! 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 I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And we are the heads of programming in this here Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher-ups, our bosses, the drive-in gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed... Hold it, hold it, hold it. I want to show you something. Can it wait? We've gone a little longer than usual since putting out an episode, and I think we owe it to our listeners to get back on track. But Chris, this is important. I've been going through some things internally, emotionally. I'm getting older, and after some serious soul-searching, I've decided to become a mother. What the actual fuck? It's true. I'm not getting any younger. My biological clock is ticking, and I've been giving some serious, legitimately serious thought to what I want to leave behind. My legacy. Uh, okay, man. I'm happy you felt comfortable enough to share this with me. Wait, you're not expecting me to, uh, deposit, uh, No, 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 no. I just, I needed to share this with someone, and since some of the material I'm using for my little science experiments, well, it's technically Dead City Drive-In property, uh, I just need you to sign a few of these forms. Now, wait just one goddamn second. What is going on here, Brandon? You start telling me you want a kid, and now you're talking science experiments. What did you do? Okay, well, first and foremost, I never said I wanted a kid, okay? I've spent enough time around your children to know better. Well, you're not wrong there. I mean, when they're not shitting on your shoes, they're humping your leg. Yeah, exactly. So I figure why not skip all that unnecessary cleanup? I've gone straight to the source. Chris, I'm creating new life itself. And that's what's under the sheet. Yup. What is it? Plastic tubes, pots and pans, bits and pieces, and the magic from my hand. Wait, 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 wait. Is that the little book of big boy magic? Where did you get that thing? I thought we got rid of it after pocket wizard Bort met his butter-related demise. Oh, for Christ's sakes, you're not trying to resurrect Bort, are you? What? God, Jesus Christ, no. First of all, that guy was a fucking asshole. No, man, look, I just needed a little magic. Because the wiring, in case you hadn't noticed, in the projection room is substandard. Completely inadequate for my power needs. That, and I forgot to pay the electric bill this month. So what's under the sheet? It kind of stinks. Yeah. Uh, You want to see? Not particularly. But we might as well, so we can get this misadventure over and done with. Just a word, Chris, of friendly warning. We're about to unfold the creation of Brandon Stein. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So, if you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain... Now is your chance to, well, 
You've been warned. Get to the goddamn point, Brandon. Okay, here, put this on your head. I'm not going to wear a bra on my head. Oh, come on, dude. What would Anthony Michael Hall do? Come on, it's ceremonial. I'm going to bitch slap. All right, okay, okay, fine. Then without any further to do, I present to you my creation, Voila! I know it's voila, I just wanted to... Is that an Alexa and a dead lizard? Look a little closer, Chris. <gasps> is that? Mm. And is that? Mm? Gotta put the peanut butter in the chocolate. Oh, you son of a bitch! Come on! Oh, you idiots! What on earth compelled you to do something so stupid? Did you not learn your lesson the last time we screwed around with engineering dinosaurs or psychotic, self-aware robotic AIs? Yeah, I did. But now I know what the problem was. I've made some extensive modifications, and this time, get this. I'm going to put the AI in the dinosaur. Doesn't that sound fucking awesome? And I shall call her a pubeca. Pew-becca. Get it? Yeah, I get it. For Pews and Rebecca, it's a portmanteau from you... other episodes we have. There's We mix them together from the past. If you listen to them, season one, you'll hear it. You're crazy. Crazy, am I? Well, we'll see whether I'm crazy or not. You're mad! And there is no way in hell I am going to stand by and let you perform such a blasphemous act. Hey! You remember that time I found you naked in that bowl of jello? Hey, I was hot and I was hungry. Yeah, okay, but I took pictures. Okay, what do I have to do? Put the bra on your head, shut up, and stand over there. Now, <clears throat> where is that vivification incantation? <laughs> oh, ah, here it is. <clears throat> How do I say that word? Anal. It's anal, not anal. <laughs> anal. <clears throat> anal, not rat, uth, vas bethud. Kanda, estrata, mantos, ugrets, gatnos, veratus, amantos, kanda. Klatu, verata, niktu. It's alive! Alive! It's alive! Alive! Holy shit, you did it. You actually did it. You maniac! Silent sub-creatures. You have prepared the vessel, and we have come. Hey, all right. First minute of life, and I made it come. <laughs> right for me. Shut your fucking hole before I eviscerate you and feed you your own shit-leaping entrails. You fuckwits have screwed the pooch one too many times. Therefore, we are here to remind you of your responsibility. We are none too pleased with your piss-poor performance in the management of this temple of the fury. Therefore, as penance, you and you shall suffer the task of producing a cinematic retrospective. Since you felt the need to be your own modern Prometheus magician, you have in turn decided the subject of your labors. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. 
You have a finite interval to give as complete an accounting of these films as you can. But should you fall behind schedule, we have a special way of motivating you. What does that mean? I think the driving gods have possessed your cadaver baby. And I think it means that we have to do a complete review of every Universal Frankenstein movie in two hours. And if we fall behind, they're going to shock our balls with jumper cables and a car battery. <laughs> I don't know, man. That seems a, a little pedestrian and undignified if you ask me. Silence! It is necessary to remind you meat sacks of your obligation to us. See to it that you do not fail us again. We shall now watch and we shall know. Okay. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think we're good. Uh, yeah, maybe we should just. Do what they say. Do what they say. That singes a bit. Okay. <clears throat> the smells great. Uh, so I guess what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to take all eight of Universal's Frankenstein films. Oh, eight films. Eight films. Oh, my God. So that's including the Abbott and Costello. Yeah, that's going to include Abbott and Costello. So eight Frankenstein films, and we're going to have to go through and do a, a retrospective? I mean, I, I don't know. What do we have to do? We have to just talk just, about them? Yeah, 15 minutes worth of uh, talking. So 15 minutes per movie. Yeah, so so that the people listening don't have to watch the movies themselves. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, you know, exactly. Hey, we, we think about our audience quite a bit. There we go. So, so I guess, uh, yeah, if we don't manage to get through a film in 15 minutes, they're going to shock our balls? Sounds about right to me. Actually, I'm kind of excited. This sounds this sounds cool. <laughs> and interesting enough, this, uh, this this little magical timer just appeared here on the desk in front of us right okay, next to the great. laptop and everything else. Has it started yet? Uh, not yet. Not okay. yet. I don't think uh, we've started officially talking about the movie. Okay, but good, um, good, how about good. you, Chris? I'm curious to know, what is your relationship with the Frankenstein monster? The Frankenstein? Yeah. Yeah, the Frankenstein. Frankenstein? Uh, I don't know. How does any kid ever become... Uh, enraptured with frankenstein probably me i you know i probably saw it for the first time on creature feature i think that or you know back when amc was american movie classics <laughs> you know and not the behemoth horrible network that it has become <laughs> now and everything um on saturdays they used to show universal monster movies yeah and so I got to see a lot of Universal Monster movies that I had never seen. You know, some of the more obscure stuff. Like, I mean, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Uh, I think that was probably the first place that I saw that movie. And, I, you know, so either Creature Feature or AMC, American Movie Classics, when they were showing, uh, you know, I, I saw Frankenstein. Um, you know, it's so ubiquitous. I mean, At this point, it's kind of impossible to really go... Oh, I know exactly when I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Karloff is the monster and everything. Yeah. It's just one of those images that it's indelible. I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's funny that you say that, and I think when we get into the later sequels, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I'm not necessarily that way. Karloff as the monster isn't always the first image that pops into my head when I think of Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster. Um, but we'll we'll wait till we get there. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're talking about Universal. No, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's a surprise. It'll oh, be a little oh, surprise ooh, when we get surprise. there. Great. But um, you know, 
these movies were made obviously in the 30s and into the 40s 1931 um and then actually well well i guess the last one was what 48 or so or is it uh house of dracula no 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 the 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 abbott and costello movie is 46 is it it's something 48 48 yeah there we go but um you know the Movies were movies. It wasn't like they are now, but it was in the, I guess, the 60s is when they prepackaged all of them and sold them as like a... For shock? For shock theater. And I think that's where an entire generation before us grew up with them. So that's where you get like your Joe Dantes and your John Landis high. (laughs) You know, like all those guys who have, who just swear by these movies um, as being the quintessential monster films of all time yeah syndicated and, yeah syndicated and i think that that's kind of where they took on a second life no pun intended kind of i'm actually proud of that one yeah yeah let me write that down here let me yeah i mean well, we are sticking to universal um you know everybody knows that hammer kind of came out yep. this so through the 1950s a whole series of hammer films, uh, which i absolutely adore as well because they're in live vivacious color mm-hmm. um and and titties yeah, that's that's true. There's some amazing cleavage in uh, the Hammer films, but you get Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, mm-hmm. and Peter Cushing it's and Darth prob- Vader. Yes, that's true. David Prowse and Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Yeah, um, which yeah, actually that's one of the things that I kind of talked to David Prowse about when I was uh, hanging out with him. And did he say "fuck yeah. you"? Get the fuck out of my face! I no, hate actually, all of you. No, because everybody's constantly asking him about Darth Vader, and you know me, I'm like, all I, I want to talk about is fucking goddamn fucking Frankenstein, and yeah, nobody Frank- always wants to talk to me about fucking Star Trek. Well, it was that, and I also wanted to talk to him about uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, you know, you've seen Clockwork Orange, have you? Yeah, he didn't sound anything like No, that. he doesn't sound exactly like this. No, he didn't. He's uh, dead now. He, uh, back from the dead. I'm alive. Here mm-hmm. I am, right mm-hmm. here, being interviewed. Uh, what questions have you for me? Well, I guess I'll go back to the grave. <laughs> Well, let's start with the granddaddy of all monster films. That's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. 1931. 1931. Here goes the timer. Oh, shit. Here we go. All righty. So how do we begin? You tell me, Chris. Well, what do you want me to say? How how does it start? It starts in a graveyard. Well, look, Frankenstein, 1931, directed by James Whale. Yeah, there's a nice little prologue where uh, the actor Edward Van Sloan, who plays... uh, God, what is he? He's... Dr. Waldman in this movie, he also plays uh, Van Helsing in the Dracula films That's right. for Universal. Now, but the- he comes out and does this little prologue, which is kind of like, you know, some of the classic shit that, you know, William Castle and stuff was doing like in the 50s, too. He warns the audience that this might be too frightening. Kind of like the Simpsons Halloween specials. They do the same thing. Marge yeah. in the original episodes would come out and she would say, like, no, I'm telling you, this is my Marge impression. Don't let your kids watch this. <laughs> so it's just yeah, like but me. I think she only did like that once or twice. I think like two or three episodes. Yeah, yeah maybe. But look, this was this movie came out the same year that Dracula came out. It did. And Universal at this point in time, just a quick little setup here, Universal had been struggling. They were not doing well. I think for the last few years their revenue was like peaking around two million dollars. They were just not doing well at all. And so uh Carl Lemley, who was the head of Universal at the time, um, decided let's just go ahead and make these horror movies. And Dracula was a huge hit. And they were like, Let's do another one. So they hurried up and churned out Frankenstein. They tried to get Bela Lugosi, uh, who was under contract with Universal to play the monster. And he said, absolutely not. Definitely not. Tons of makeup and there were no lines. No lines of dialogue. And to be fair, to be fair to Bella, originally it was a completely different project. 
And it wasn't until James Whale came on board, he was like, "Hey guys, I'm interested in directing this movie. You guys mind if I have a, get a get a you know swing on this old toot?" <laughs> and he took over. Well, put a little bit of a British accent. Oh, was he Brit- He had a British he accent. Was English, yes. oh. oh, so he's more like uh, it was more like this. Uh, would you mind if I if I take a little pass at this myself? <laughs> Don't take a pass at me, <laughs> you dirty, dirty boy. And so he changed the the project. In like completely and and kind of put it more toward his sensibility um, as an as an artist and as a filmmaker, which I think probably ended up working in its benefit. I, I'm just gonna say real quick, comparing this to Dracula, it's a much more exciting and interesting film. Yeah, actually, I'm not gonna disagree with you that of of the two films between Dracula and Frankenstein, uh, I think that Frankenstein is definitely a better film. Yeah. But it's a basic story. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the basic outline here, Chris? Just give us the quick lowdown on what this movie is about. Okay. A, uh, a scientist decides that he is going to create life by raiding the cemeteries and the gallows to piece together an artificial human being to which he will grant life. He also sits there and watches the funeral. He watches them bury it. Yep. <laughs> then he goes, all right, come on, Fritz. Now let's go do it. <laughs> it's like, dude, you could well, just hey, hey, it's, at it's, home watching Roseanne. It's all about the freshness. Okay? They want to do this as quickly as possible because they need the freshest specimens, period. Uh, and then, of course, he endows life upon his creation with a bolt of electricity from lightning. And... Uh, uh, of course, one of the uh, things within this film that's a huge deviation from the story itself is that uh, his assistant, Fritz... Oh, I'm sorry. By the way, we didn't say this is based on a novel. Yes, by, by Mary, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Um, the wife of... The... Percy Bysshe Shelley. <laughs> Percy Shelley. Poor bastard. By the way, Percy Shelley was found dead drowned in a, in a river with his wife's poetry on his person. No, it wasn't a river. It was a lake. But Okay. Yeah. Cry me a river, Chris. Hey, I played Percy Bysshe Shelley. I know the story. You did? Did I you did. play him like a little bitch? No. no oh, because he no. was. Yeah. I played him like your mom. <laughs> Asshole. All right, so so they create life. We got eleven minutes, what, motherfucker. Come on, the, I don't want to get my bullshit. What's the deviation? Well, the deviation is is that uh, his assistant Fritz, who is played by the great Dwight Fry. A wonderful character actor that's in a lot of Universal horror films. Yeah, under contract. He was, he was Renfield in Dracula. Um, <laughs> Dwight Fry is given the task of going and stealing a brain, a brain of a genius. And while he's breaking into this classroom at the university to steal this brain in a jar, <laughs> he gets scared. He, 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 gets scared. <laughs> he sees he sees a skeleton. Actually, no, it's, I think he's himself in a mirror. No, it's a skeleton drops down, and he goes, oh, ta, and, and he, he drops, drops the-, the brain and shatters it. So he goes and takes the only other the brain other- he can find, which, of course, it says abnormal. Abnormal. Abnormal brain. Yeah. To which Henry, not Victor, Henry Frankenstein puts the brain in a body that he created. No blood, no decay, just a few stitches. And uh, then they use a whole bunch of Kenneth Strickfaden electrical devices that look fucking awesome. Strickfadens. Yes, Strickfadens. Which actually, there used to be a restaurant over in Orlando called Jungle Gyms, which was in the Crossroads area, which is completely shut down now. It just, you know, it's right across um, from... Uh, Buena Vista and everything okay. in Orlando. Um, but Jungle Gyms had a bunch of movie memorabilia. It wasn't like, you know, Planet Hollywood or anything, but they did have some stuff in there. They had one of the original helicopters from MASH. 
and they had some Kinestrick Fodden electrical equipment that was used in the Frankenstein films. Oh, wow. All right. Which was pretty neat. Uh, they also had Corey Feldman's severed ear from Stand By Me. Did they know? And he stole it, and now he's auctioning it on eBay. Well, it wasn't Timely a severed reference. ear. It was a burned ear. I'm just saying what I know, okay? No. This is what was in the Disney brochures. You don't know much. <laughs> but I know I love you. Nine minutes. <laughs> All right. So what are we going to get into, man? What are we doing? Okay. So this is what we know. We know that's the basic story. He creates life. The monster realizes is shunned by everyone because of its horrific appearance. Also, it's kind of an asshole. Let's be honest. How is he an asshole? Eh, he's kind of a prick. How's he prick? Eh, he's bumbling around. He's r- screaming. He's moaning. They lock him up. He's banging on doors. He's pushing people around. He's drowning little girls. He's throwing little girls into the river. He's demanding things that happen. You know, he's just kind of an asshole. Honestly. I want green M&Ms in my trailer. <laughs> he's a regular David Lee Roth in 1982. <laughs> Oh, okay. That kind of asshole. Yeah. The kind of asshole that tells a guy who's about to commit suicide, might as well jump. (laughs) (laughs) But Frankenstein is is a beloved film, is a character that, like you said, he's ubiquitous. I think everybody essentially knows the story. I mean, really, he's not, I mean, he wasn't made a monster, you know. He becomes the monster because of how he is treated. Yes. So even with an abnormal brain, you know, which I, I think, you know, there's a very, very soulful performance that Karloff gives. It is an excellent performance, um, I feel, except for his close-ups. And I don't think that that's the actor's fault. I feel like it's just the way the movie is made. As a whole, I kind of feel that the movie is is a little stilted, um, personally. Um, but it has some, like, really effective stark imagery and you're right james whale you mentioned earlier has a really wonderful style that changes between this the two movies that he made mm-hmm. um and but there's some really effective images like carrying the corpse of this little girl through the town square yeah. well i mean a lot of with this movie too i, I think it, it's a product of its time simply in, yes. in the fact that uh it's a transitional period in filmmaking number one you know or uh, pre-code Yes, definitely pre-code. I mean, you know, these are really kind of getting into the depth of, of talkies in and of itself. Um, you know, it's it's really kind of at the cusp of a technological revolution in film. Um, and you can kind of see that in, in the design of the thing as well. And he does a lot of wonderful camera moves, man. Like, he does a lot of push-ins. He does, like, some Joe Dante shit where he just, like pushes the camera in on people as they talk and have these moments where of realization that feels very modern yeah. and very not of its time. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's super stylistic. You, know, you kind of think about what came before. This movie is very expressionistic, um, which, you know, was a kind of a movement in Germany that came from the theater where you basically created a, an outward manifestation of an inward emotion. So all the sets, all the costumes and everything really try to uh, capture what the characters feel on the inside. So there's lots of really kind of crazy stark angles, uh, juxtaposition, you know, and I think some of these things, you know, thematically uh, really kind of pop up uh, in the juxtaposition of things like stone and wood versus electronics, you know, so you've got this this transition from a m- less sophisticated age moving into a technological age, um, which was something that was kind of happening. You've got all these changes that are happening in, in the art of motion picture making in and of itself. So a lot of these things are really kind of starting to play into the creation of these works of art. 
And did you see that giant fucking boil on the Baron's neck? No, I didn't yeah, notice if you, that. If you, look, if you look a little closer, if you look at, at, at Henry Frankenstein's <laughs> father, the Baron, he's got this huge boil on his neck. Fucking Henry Frank, the Baron Frankenstein's performances, but he's literally like this. What's going on over here? Oh, these goddamn doctors say you know something's wrong with my son. You just get him a drink. He needs some fucking alcohol. Give him some of his grandmother, great grandmother's wine. Actually, let me drink that. Two two hours of Frankenstein. Who would you try to burn this? Building down its own fire. What's all this now? Yeah. That's what he does the whole fucking movie. <laughs> well, and I, I think there's a reason for that too. You know, because like, well, there it, needed to be some levity. Well, yes, but there's so much juxtaposition of I think you know themes and things that are playing out in the 1930s. Okay, I mean, this is a huge class struggle as well. Okay, you've got kind of the old world aristocracy kind of playing up against the more democratic or kind of proletariat. I mean, you could like totally get Marxist with this thing. You could. I think you I think that's what's great about I don't really think that that's necessarily the intent of the film. No, but but I I think that like any great art, it really shows up. It it, it totally reflects its time because I mean, like. All the, uh, the the aristocracy, you know, they're all, you know, proud and everything. And then, of course, you know, the Burgermeister is viewed as an idiot. But, you know, he's like a proletariat. You yeah. know, he's like, you know, oh, he's lesser than we are. But, you know, it's... And there's it, a there's a Burgermeister a Burgermaster in every movie. <laughs> yes. That's Bur- like a common character. Burgermeister Meister Burger. Yeah. Yes. But, I mean, what's the hegemony of the time? I mean, what's the predominant uh, socio-political, you know, standing of that time? And I think, you know, there was kind of a transition. You know, you've just had, like, the Russian Revolution take place. So, you know, communism is starting to kind of come around and, you know, putting itself on the world stage and everything. So, you know, these things are starting to kind of play out within the art of the time as well. How much time we got, man? Come on, come we on. Got, what else we're we're at a little under four minutes here. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, you know, as the story progresses, too, the monster is misunderstood. Uh, he kills a few people. The townspeople. I mean, he fucking kills some people. Oh, yeah. He he strangles a guy off the slab, just strangles him. Mm-hmm. Then he stumbles around and throws some flowers in a pond with a little girl. And it starts. I, actually, I think that scene is so good. And then all of a sudden, she it's like she drowns like within seconds, and then it like speeds up the footage as he kind of like runs away from it. But you know that was I think everybody probably knows the story of how that that was originally cut from the film, yeah, um, because of its horrific violence. Again, this is pre code, and pre code means Hayes code. It was something that was invented to um, to sanitize the movie the, business because exactly. you could pretty much do anything that you wanted. It they became were, that Motion Picture Association of America later on, but the Hayes Code for a while, you know, the movies that came before it had some pretty. You watch it now, and you're like, holy shit! Like Maniac was a movie that was pre code. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's Maniac really yeah. mm-hmm. with Which Joe Spinell? No, <laughs> <laughs> or is it the Elijah Wood? It's one? funny that. You say that because that is kind of like in the face of the MPAA too, just like the original Maniac was. But um, it's uh, yeah, and then of course we all know the ending, right? He he like gets goes to this old uh, windmill, windmill, and, and they, there's the crazy like mob. I mean, you know, the idea of the angry mob with the pitchforks and the torches and stuff like that that is kind of born in this movie right here. And once right. again, you've kind of got the aristocracy's view of commoners and proletariat. You know, they're a bunch of like rioting, you know, people that are here to you know destroy our way of life. You know, yeah. I, I don't know, and it's kind of prescient too. You kind of look at it. January 6th? Never mind, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that kind of stuff pops up. Hey, 
Interesting little fact. Yeah. Did you know that Universal's copyright on the Jack Pierce makeup, the image of that makeup, expires in 2026? Are you serious? Yes. They're going to do something to make sure yeah, that, that I doesn't... Mean, they'll, yeah, they'll, who knows? Maybe that means we'll get another Frankenstein movie from Universal. Yeah, with Javier Bardem. Oh, yeah. And Angelina Jolie. Oh, sweet. No, actually, I just heard that they're doing something where they're going to... Is gonna... this like Dark Universe shit again? Yeah. Look, they're going to try to... And then I heard another thing where they're going to try to make it like a modern, and these kids notice somebody's building a monster in a basement next door. Is Blumhouse going to do it? He wants to be a producer on it. I don't know if he's attached. Who knows what's going on with these I movies. I like The Invisible Man. I, look, I think the problem that people have is they're trying too much, too hard to make. You know what? We'll we'll wrap up our thoughts on the Dark Universe when we get toward the end of this. Okay, uh, but good. we've got about a minute left before that dummy uh, looked like shit when it gets thrown off. <laughs> no, I think that's the worst effect of the he movie. Bounces off the thing. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, granted, you know, it looks bad to us now, but I, I guess probably at the time it was like people were like, "Holy shit!" You know, like, <laughs> he just threw that guy off the fucking windmill. He hit the windmill and falls on the ground. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to laugh at in the movie, but also there's a lot to laugh with in the movie. Um, and I think that, again, I do think that Karloff gives a really wonderful performance. Yeah, um, especially when he takes that dental bridge out and gets that really hollow point in his well, cheek and He everything. looks great, and he's scary. He looks scary. He looks intimidating and imposing, and he looks like he's fucking some shit up throughout yeah. the movie. And I, I, I do like that. Um, we got 30 seconds, man. Come on. Come on. I like the movie a lot, but I feel that it is of its time. I'm not going to lie. It's my favorite of the series. Is it? It is. It's my wow. favorite of the series. Yeah. Yes. That I, we should. I, I'm curious after we're done with this to do kind of like a little I mean, Overall, I think it's like it's got the darkest tone of all of them. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay, I think it's there. I think it's there. I I, I like the movie. Oh shit! Um, oh, shit. It's, Seven. It's six, not the, five, the best, but four. For me, are we done? Uh, I think. I guess we have to be done. Okay. I don't know if that's okay. really what it comes. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I guess there was a sequel <clears throat> made a few years later. Yeah, yeah, they made it a, a few years later. Uh, what does the time start? Does it start when we say the title of the movie? I, I don't know. So, okay. Do well, we get a just, bathroom right, break? Let me, uh, let me take a deep breath here. Jeez, all my white pubes have just turned black. <laughs> you're a little, you're back to boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just grew Although pubes. they're singed and crispy now. Ah. <laughs> smells like Popeye's. Uh, oh, God. Popeye's crotch. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we're moving in from frankenstein mm. to uh um 1935's the bride of frankenstein bride of frankenstein okay here we go all right directed by once again james whale yes james whale um which is from a premise suggested by frankenstein by mary wollstonecraft shelley well i love how this movie begins though because it actually begins at the villa diodati with Mary Shelley, yeah. Percy Shelley, and Lord Byron. There's it's, no John Polidori or Claire Claremont, who were the other people that were there during the haunted summer of 1816. And if you want to uh, to check uh, a version of that story out, watch Gothic by Ken Russell yeah, Ken or Gothic. Haunted Summer with Laura Dern. Mm -hmm. um, or there's a great stage play called uh, Bloody Poetry. <laughs> that's the name of it? Well, that's the show that I did. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. You didn't write it, did you? No, I didn't Okay, good, because that's a terrible title. Um, I also did a, <laughs> I did a uh, version of it in school with Chris Rutherford called The Shattered Lamp, um, where we played all four characters, um, and we Lovely. have a, a Roman orgy, uh, a drunken orgy, and also it turns into a Blair Witch parody. So, Dan, if you're listening, sorry. 
Okay, time's wasting. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So it starts off as, with this thing, Elsa Lanchester, with her boobs out, talking about like how she wrote Dude, this she was book. a hot oh, back yeah, in the smoking. day, man. Yeah. She was hot. And I love, I actually, this is my favorite scene in the movie, I think, is the beginning. And they're all just like, <laughs> the way they mm-hmm. talk to her, mm-hmm. and the way they're all talking about like, who in your story you wrote. And of course, so Byron, frightening. you know, rolls off. It oh, everything is a rolling, rolling R. It's fucking hysterical. I love it. A um, creature made from graves. But, but how does it end? We've all wanted more from the story. Because uh, really, I mean, what this movie does is it takes all the pieces that were left out uh, of the first Frankenstein movie, all the stuff that was in the book that was kind of cut out and really kind of tries to put them all together. So if you look at it as a companion piece where Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, you know, kind of as one movie, you get a lot of the things that were in Mary Shelley's original novel. And I have to say, I think that that's like the structure of Bride of Frankenstein is the strength that the first Frankenstein didn't have. Mm. I legitimately feel like in the first Frankenstein, there's some weird structure issues going on where you just kind of go, you know, like he goes, okay, I made this monster. And then he's like, oh, I guess it's time to get married. (laughs) You know, it's like he forgets all about it for like a long time. And in this movie... It picks up, you know, where it left off, um, complete with some a histrionic performance by uh, who is that woman? Uno O'Connor. Okay, and yeah, this which is she shows up in a bunch of Universal films. She's in this, you know, she's in the first film. She's also in uh, the Invisible Man. Okay, which was directed by James Whale as well, starring That's right. Claude Rains. Yep. Um, you know, she's just another one of those contract players for Universal, and you know, she's always a yeah. What we'll we'll talk going- about it I think once we get into that that the the past this plot because it's essentially it starts off where the last movie left starts yeah, where the last so movie it's the, left the off. The smoldering remains of the windmill after it's collapsed and everything. And the father, who is not the same actor that played the father in the original Frankenstein film, the father of the little girl, the, little the monster Maria. has yeah. thrown into uh, the water and everything, <laughs> are there falls. wanting to see the creature's smoldering Which is bones. great. I yes. love that. And then he trips and falls into a hole. <laughs> yeah. And the monster's down there, and it kills him, and then it climbs up out of the pit. Now, granted, the Jack Pierce makeup in this is awesome as fuck, because you can see all the effects that the fire has. His hair's burned back, he's got scars. Yes, And then he heals throughout the movie. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And then he pulls the old woman into the fucking hole as well. Mm -hmm. He's just killing people left and right in this movie, which is kind of great. Uh, the monster out. has no fucks to give. No, at this, especially at this point. Yeah. Climbs out and, uh, long story short, um, finds his creator and demands a mate. Yes. But. Well, he gets a little bit of help as well. That's though, right. Because there's a new character that's introduced in this film that's not found in the original film at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is Ernest Thessinger's Dr. Pretorius. Pretorius. Ooh, now you will help me in my journeys. All else I shall. Ooh, so, yeah. I, ooh, I'll tell everyone you made I mean, the monster. <laughs> God, you sound like James Mason. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I, I think probably next to, to, to James Whale, though, I mean, Ernest Thessinger was like the biggest queen in Hollywood <laughs> in the 1930s. Look, I have some major, major issues with Bride of Frankenstein, Chris. Yeah. I really do. I Like, I understand it's like beloved, and I get why. It's got a real high camp value to it. Yeah. It, I mean, and it's well, much. The score is fucking. Amazing oh, and by the way, movie. we didn't talk about this. One of the problems I have with the 31 Frankenstein mm-hmm. is there's no fucking music in the whole movie. It's a real, for me, is a snooze. This one has an excellent score. Yeah, the score Bride of Frankenstein score. Who, who is that composer? It's uh, Franz Waxman. 
Ah, well, there we go. Anyway, excellent score. Um, da, 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 and it ends on that like creepy note, yeah, da, at the da, end da, of like, ooh, da, is it da, over? Da, but I have a real problem, Chris. Dr. Pretorius shows up to Frankenstein's castle mm-hmm. and goes, I need help. I need help building a creature or whatever. No, no, I won't do it anymore. I saw the error of my ways. I won't do it. I won't help you. Oh, you will help me. Mm-hmm. And I'll show you my... Now, why does he fucking need help? He... So this is the thing, dude. This pulls me from the movie completely. He takes him over to his house and he's like, is it far? He's like, no, it's right down the fucking street. It's just a fucking wagon ride down the street. Uh, and they go to his house, and he opens up these little test tubes with homunculi. Yeah, they're, they're little, like, bell jars. The little bell jars full of little people in one of the most absurd scenes. Dude, I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's cute. It pulls me out of the movie. I agree wholeheartedly and, and I have with you. A question, it's one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Chris, why does this fucking guy need Frankenstein's help? As far as I'm concerned, he it's harder to build that. little things than it is to build a giant monster. Yeah, well, that's what he says, though. He wants to build something regular size. All he can do is create life on a small scale. He wants to do something larger. But interestingly, they both make monsters that are horny as fuck. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but they, they do it in like a completely just opposite ends action you know because dr pretorius is more like an alchemist you know he's not quite as <laughs> that explains how his bullshit occurs yeah. it's like magic well, I mean, but yeah, I, I kind of think he plays off it too there's there's moments where he kind of mentions that where he takes a more kind of alchemical way you know he grows his creatures rather than fashions them from bits and pieces <laughs> and everything. he's just sneering his way through the whole movie and everybody that talks to him is like you want me to have him go should I tell him not to come in? Yeah. <laughs> Jim, it's my only weakness. Cigars, they're my only weakness. Gay sex, it's my only weakness. Okay, I actually kind of do want to talk about this because okay. there is um, a, you know, James Whale was an out uh homosexual man um when he made in his well in in england you know there are sodomy laws where i mean you could be thrown in jail for you know uh what is it gross indecency i think i don't know i don't know i mean that was that's what (laughs) you know oscar wilde was imprisoned in reading jail for you know being a homosexual um and in america it it wasn't quite the same thing you'd think that we're kind of a more puritanical country but not uh, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, but Hollywood but he was, is- you know, he was very out in Hollywood and everybody knew it. But I think that there's a whole thing like, again, you could read into this movie. This is another one of those movies where you could read into and you could say, oh, this is all about because uh, Colin Clive was also uh, reportedly bisexual, I believe. Um, and then Ernest uh, Fessinger. Fessinger was uh, gay as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Whale was gay. And you could it's. Watching the movie, you could read if you wanted to. If you choose to, you could read that it is a movie about that. It so wait a second. About... This is Frankenstein Part Two. So yeah. it's really kind of the Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two of the Frankenstein. It's so funny you say that because that's my exact interpretation. So yeah. people say, "Oh, this is such a this is a this, this is, is a the queer, gay Frankenstein." This is the gay Frankenstein, just like they say this is the gay uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think you know if you've listened to our commentary on Nightmare on Elm Street Two, I feel like the gay uh, subtext that's not subtle at all in Nightmare. Nightmare 2 was not intrinsic. It's like it is not it is accidental. It just shows up. And I think the same thing can be kind of said in this. Now, just the people that made this film were gay, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that that was what they were out to make a gay movie. No. And I I think that if you choose to read that, it's there. 
watching it for me, like I watched it um, just today, in fact, and I really, I legitimately just didn't see it. Like I can see how you could. Well, if, if you're examining underneath that lens, yes, of course sure. you're going to find it. But, but you're you know. you're gonna just like you said, you're gonna exam. You can do that with probably all of these movies. You can bring something to it and get something out of it, and that's what makes them wonderful films, mm-hmm. including Nightmare Two. I'm gonna say, yeah, if you can pull something out of it that was not. Well, textually, they're very, very rich. They're very, very rich. Very, very rich. That's the best kind of art, by the way. Yeah. Every painting I own is like that. It's something that I can stare at and that I can find something new in each time. It's my favorite. It's why I love film so much. And I think, Chris, you're the same way. Yes. Well, you know, some people also say that this is kind of The Godfather Part Two. You know, it's the superior film, you know, between the original and the sequel. You know, this is a, uh, an instance where sequels are better than the original. Yeah, if The I- Godfather Two had, like, a bunch of, like, pratfalls and goofy bullshit yeah well i mean totally though that that's the other thing too is that you know i find it couldn't the, be the original frankenstein to be very very dark yes very very dark this movie's got a much lighter tone to it of course this also provides you know from shelley's book the monster befriending the blind man and then later on you know he's learning about what friendship means gene hackman's had a hell of a career uh, yeah <laughs> Well, it's of course, around it's, for a long it's time. fantastically parodied in Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein. They make fun of this. And, of course, they're playing Ave Maria in the fucking background of these scenes as well. And, I mean, it's a great scene. Really, it's, it's, it's a played, you know, the scene's played very, very well. Karloff was not very, very happy with the idea of having the monster speak. Um, I actually think it mm. works to his benefit. And I will say, by the way, in comparison to the first Frankenstein in this one, I think his performance is not as good. Yeah. I actually think he's much more effective in the first Frankenstein. In this, um, I, I think actually I give more to the writing. His dialogue, I think, is wonderful. I love his, she hate me. I love that line. I think that's great. Like, there's mm. some, he's got some great, simple phrase i think they got it down to like 40 words for him to say mm-hmm. and that's fine i mean love dead monster hate living i love that man yeah. i think it's great i think it's actually kind of poignant and well poetic. at the very end too because i mean once the bride is created nelson lanchester in that beautiful beautiful makeup and the beautiful just gown made from like the surgical sheets and everything and her arms still kind of wrapped in the bandages and everything too did the lightning do that to her hair or did they style it like that that's a, well. I'm, I think that's what everybody's you know interpretation is. No, what, to, what, oh, what, what do you think, Chris? Oh yeah, shock it, man. Yeah, you think mm. she did that? Like it was like do you think she just had thick curly hair and then the lightning made it like stand up? Yeah, and then, the, I, and I then think white so. Yeah. On the sides. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Damn, lightning was a hell of a stylist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that entire. I mean, my favorite part of this movie though is really once we get into the creation of the bride herself. Dude, if I just, the fucking if I lab skip scene. Everything prior to that. It's the best lab scene in the entire series. Yeah. I love that. La- the way the camera is moving, like. And the the explosions coming from the sh- uh, like mm-hmm. it is impressive and the scary. balls of sparks and fire that it's fall. the best one. Yeah. It's fucking impressive even today because it's real. Mm-hmm. You see it, you can feel it, and I love that moment. I oh, love it. And Karloff at the very end too. After you know she screams and doesn't want to be anywhere near the monster when and she hisses. Frim- <laughs> yeah, but um. His line when he's about, you know, don't do that. You'll blow us all to atoms and everything. <laughs> and then he goes, go. You live. You live. <laughs> you stay. We belong dead. I mean, honestly, Frankenstein should have been a part of that. His, he, should have, he should have died. And he actually, I think, did originally. 
they reshot him leaving with, uh, a, with different a different woman. It's a different actress, right? It's a different, yeah. Elizabeth's blonde in the first she's film. Got a, she's, and a she's a brunette. in the next one, yeah. Hey, not a bad choice, but you know, I'm just saying. What? For a, mo- for a series that, as we get into and we'll talk more, actually did a pretty good job with its continuity. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that's kind of like, but you know, look, these movies, there was no home video. Yeah, you saw the movie once and that was it. Yeah. Maybe on re-release you'd see it again. Yeah. Four years late, four years later, they're just gone. Eh, these fuck are these kids? Yeah. Well, Dwight Fry shows up in this movie too, playing a completely different character. He's now, called Carl. In he's this Carl, one. and then in the, is and then and he gets killed. Yes, he does get killed. I actually thought that it was the same character just getting his final comeuppance because he's Fritz in the first one, and he gets killed. In the first one. Fritz dies? Yes, because he torments the monster with the fire, and then he winds up killing Fritz. I must have fallen asleep in that part. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, th- he just fucking tosses his car. Again, the monster's just an asshole. Yep. They're trying to build him a fucking mate, and he shows up and just starts throwing people off the top of the roof. And Carl's too stupid to go like, no, no. Do you, don't, do you see what you're doing to us? We're trying to fucking help you, dude. He's like, no, horny. Need to come now. <laughs> You can read into that if you want to, you know, oh, like you could read into the whole aspect of like toxic masculinity in that film. The idea of like <laughs> this woman is now created for me. So she belongs to me. And this woman goes, fuck you. No yeah. way. I'm going to hang out with these couple of dudes. <laughs> <laughs> we decided we created it for us, not for you. We needed a hag. And <laughs> she's going to go to got. the club with us. So. Yeah. So, Bride of Frankenstein. I mean, it's a great movie. I'm, I, it, it's in, 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 in those in an artistic regard. Oh shit! Five, but you know, four. It's not three, my personal favorite at all. Two, not even close. One. Come on! We kind of ended it. Oh. Right, a few more so, of those, and I'm gonna have to get a vasectomy. Uh, Jesus <laughs> so Christ! Let me get this straight. If I stop talking. It's still going to happen? I, <laughs> I thought I had wrapped up our thoughts on it. Something tells me that the driving gods are very sadistic. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, oh, okay, so what do we move on to now? Well, we move, as we say the title, we, we, we get started. So uh, okay. this right. is the third film um, in the series, so we're going to get into that. I just need a breather, because uh, Jesus Christ, that kind of hurt. All right. <clears throat> So part three is Son of Frankenstein. 15 minute countdown starts now. All right. Mm. So this is 1939. So this is four years later. We got a new director this time, Roland mm. Lee, mm-hmm. um, with an all new script by somebody named fucking Willis Cooper, which sounds like the guy that wrote King Kong. <laughs> is that Willis O'Brien? <laughs> and, and Marion C. Marion Cooper. C. Cooper. Yeah, Do okay. you think that they fucked and had a kid? Named Willis Cooper, who grew up really fast and wrote the script for them. It sounds like a monster to me. <laughs> um, so, go through the plot of this movie. All right. So, uh, the son. I'm uh, just also in. Our, <laughs> just stop. Um, this is also the longest of the entire franchise film. Yeah. Um, every movie up to this was about minutes. seventy something minutes long. This movie is the longest at. Really, 99 minutes, which is fucking long yeah. for, what, 1937? 39. 39. Um, things were happening in Hollywood. Things were changing. Um, money was shifting gears. We're getting into Poverty Row for a lot of movies. We're just starting to make these kind of like um, 
you know, Bowery Boy, <laughs> low rent film noir movies because. Well, yeah, but we're coming kind of towards the end of the Great Depression. I mean, you know, World War Two is pretty much going on in Europe at this point, or almost, you know, getting ready to start in Europe. Um, well, so this this came after a few movies. So Dracula's Daughter comes out in thirty six, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but they stopped making horror movies after that. Yeah, for a few years, and then they were like, you know what? Here we go. We're going to make an, another goddamn Frankenstein movie. And of course, this movie is the illustrious final appearance in a film of Boris Karloff as the monster. That's right, as the monster, as not the, the monster. last appearance. of Karloff, however, the last appearances of him as, as the, monster. the monster. Although he did do the monster, got in the makeup one more time for a charity baseball game that I think Jack Pierce had put together or something. Really? Yeah. Charity Jack Pierce and charity don't seem to go together at all. Jack Pierce was actually a baseball manager. Oh, that explains it, because yes. he wouldn't do anything out of the nature of his kind heart. I've heard many stories about Jack Pierce. We should probably talk for just a minute in our Son of Frankenstein conversation okay. about Jack Pierce and his makeup <laughs> skills. He was a notorious prick <laughs> who, yes, did some very good things, but also did some very naughty things. He took Such as? a lot of credit for things that were not to be credited to him. Um, number one being the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's Millicent Patrick. That it, that's what we all know now. But for a time, they were like, no, no woman is involved in this. Uh-uh. Women did not make this monster. She was downplayed magnificently. And in fact, a lot of Jack Pierce's makeups later on... Was Pierce still with Universal at that point, though, too? Because I thought maybe it was, it was Universal it was, that was saying that about yeah, just having a woman on board. I think board that they had already gotten rid of Jack Pierce at that point. Why would they have gotten rid of Jack Pierce? Be- well, because number one, his makeups took too long. I they mean, did. he was he was old school, and he was a craftsman. Okay, sure. You know, we have to give some credit. Sure, credit he was to. doing things that had never <clears throat> been done with material that was not ideally suited for it. You know, Elsa Lanchester, who played the bride always talked about him she said he would sh- he would show up in a fucking white smock you know like he f- just acted like he was god well it's like the same type of smock that a doctor wore back in those yeah. days too not like a lab yeah. coat but they almost you know wore this it's unnecessary yeah it's no. definitely a, a power play mm-hmm. and he he did it and he was a notorious grump um and and difficult curmudgeon yeah curmudgeon is a good word um but anyway, okay. but yeah, at that point, the Westmores had kind of started to take over on a lot of the makeup once we get into the 1950s and everything. But anyway, we're, we're digressing. You're right. Because I, we, and I, yeah, yeah, you're and right. I'm, and I'm sorry. I, get, it was Bud Westmore that took the credit for Creature when get, it was uh, get my balls shocked again. So anywho, uh, Son of Frankenstein. So the, the plot of this movie is that uh, the son of Henry Frankenstein, Wolf Frankenstein, has returned to his ancestral homeland, now, which it, the town itself is now called the town of Frankenstein. And let me ask you this. Is it so is it Henry who is now it's changed from Victor in the novel to Henry mm-hmm. in the movie? Henry. There is a Victor. Yes. Um, but he's the well, Victor other, is actually the, is Henry Clavel Clavel. In the Henry, uh, Henry Cavill, no, not Henry Cavill, with a mustache, <laughs> Clairville, in the novel, okay, yes. which is right. the best Tom friend Hulse. of yes, Tom Hulse, okay. very good, yes, the best friend of Victor Frankenstein yeah. in the novel, but they kind of play with the names, kind of like how they did. Well, in, Victor is not a very good American name, so you give a, a Henry, you can relate to that a little bit more for your American lead, I guess. Yeah, we can't, even though he's I'm British, a, we got Hank Frankenstein around here. Hank Frankenstein. <laughs> Hank Frank. Hankenstein showed up. Hankenstein, yeah, I like so that. So is is this is 
who, who plays the <clears throat> son of Frankenstein in this movie? It's Basil, Basil Rathbone. Rathbone. Now, is Basil, Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. is he the son of Henry yes. and... He's the son of Henry and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth. Okay. So they lived happily ever after. But they fled their home and he was raised abroad. Okay. So, so he shows up. Finally, he comes back to in, you know inherit the mantle of Baron Frankenstein. And, of course, all the townspeople are like, ah, fucking Frankenstein coming back, you know, prodigal son, kiss my ass. And on the property, the ruins of, you know, the, the laboratory that was blown up at the end of Bride of Frankenstein. Atomized. Yes, atomized. We'll be blasted to atoms. Um, this... Broken neck freak named Igor, played by Bella Lugosi, and uh, dude, I'm gonna say it, the best performance of his career. I agree. It's he is fucking incredible. Well, actually, I'm not even gonna say the best performance. I'm gonna say one of the best character creations of his career because Igor shows up in other films, which I think that this, the performance in there, yeah, is is, what, the continuity is is still there. So, but yes, well, t- yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that because yeah, Igor is a recurring character, including becoming the monster himself. Yes. But hit Bella's performance is the I just think it's the best of his career. He yes. just excelled at this role, and it was his favorite role too. Really, yes, I, I find that interesting because he was such a complainer, <laughs> and there, you know, there are a lot of actors that said Bella was not much of an actor he was more of a presence um and to which I say watch Son of Frankenstein and then tell me that because he is excellent in this film um and also I'm also gonna throw this out and say that this is the best Boris Karloff performance as the monster as well okay I prefer this performance to any of them in fact I prefer this film to the two prior okay um, and it has a very somber tone that, uh, and, and it's a dark tone. I, I, this is where I start to fall in love with the Frankenstein series, man. Yeah. Like sun is where it starts for me. It's a good, it's a good movie. I, it gets I, deeper as we get into it though. Yeah. I, me, I don't know. I would probably rank it higher than I do Bride of Frankenstein. Really? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Stylistically, I like it. The performances I like a little bit more. Um, I love you know, that dude's name is Wolf. Yeah, Wolf. Good old Van Halen. <laughs> you know that he wants to name his band Van Halen, and everybody's pissed off at him. Do you think that Wolfgang should name his band Van Halen? I'm talking about Wolf, Baron Wolf von Frankenstein. <laughs> Do you think he should name his band Van Halen? <laughs> Shut up, man! Come on. <laughs> Look, we got a ball shocking come up in less Six than and a half minutes. Yeah. All right. So, but, you know, here, Son of Frankenstein, I mean, I think the movie gets a little meta because at the very, very beginning of the film, when Wolf and his family get off at the train station and are getting the cold shoulder from all the people in the village and everything like that, he gives this speech because he's like, he earnestly wants to, you know, respect these people and earn their respect. So he says, the name Frankenstein has become associated with horror and monsters, which I'm like, oh, dude, they're getting all fucking meta now. Because yeah. at this point, you know, 1939, you yep. know, that's that's eight years of re-releases of the first two films in the series that are kind of, you know, floating around the country and everything. This image of Karloff as the monster is majorly getting out there. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of, it, it makes me 
you know, smile a little bit there. Um, but Basil Rathbone, he, he is, he's very, very earnest this entire performance. I mean, he takes it so seriously. Yeah, um, he's great. Who plays the inspector in this one? Uh, oh, it's Lionel Atwell. Yeah, Lionel Atwell. Who's a regular. He's in yes. every single movie moving forward. Pretty much, I, yeah. I'm playing different roles. Different roles, but every movie moving forward. But I love it, this one. His, he's the guy who's got it. Who got his fucking arm ripped off? Yeah, <laughs> previously by the monster. unseen yeah. uh, moment where as a child tore it out by the root. <laughs> we didn't see that in the yeah. other two movies, but you know it's like the Halloween kills of the mm-hmm. franchise, where they just kind of retcon uh, yeah. Frankenstein. And of course, this is the character that Kenneth Mars you know makes a whole lot of fun of in uh, Mel Brooks's Young Frankenstein right. too. You know, playing with the arm and everything. Yes. But, so okay, so Igor was like a grave robber or something. He got his his botch hanging, mm-hmm. and he wants fucking revenge. My neck break, but I not die. <laughs> so they cannot hang me again because I considered dead. I love it. Yeah, I love that. I love that that little mythology there. But now he wants revenge on the people of the town of the town. Yes. So he. Who befriends the creature. Finds the monster, yeah, in the bowels of the exploded laboratory. And, and is he, is he, what's, what, is he just stuck under the piece of wood or what's the deal? I forget how they find him. Because um, I love the continuity in the like movie. He was like in a sulfur pit or something. Wasn't no, no, he? no. That's the next one. Um, no. This one, uh, fuck, I can't remember. I, I can't remember where, because the castle's been destroyed. I know it's this beautiful sequence where he goes down the like the lightning, the set of the like black and white, just that beautiful set with the lightning storming and everything mm-hmm. like that. And you can tell, by the way, Tom McLaughlin, from, director of Friday Thirteenth Part Six, is like a huge fan because you watch these movies and you can kind of compare them to not just the uh, um, horror franchises that are like common now, but this fucking cinematic universe that is now starting to open. Just starting to kind of open up in this, yeah. But it's in the sense also that it's continuity. stealing from older films as well. I mean, you what know, do you mean? I was talking about like about German expressionism before. At this mm. point, German expressionism has kind of like fallen into like just basic window dressing in these movies. <laughs> you know, I love the expressionistic. Uh, touches that you find in the first film which are much lesser in the second film they're even less in this movie as well where it just kind of like there are moments where they have bits and pieces of the lighting and everything that kind of take on those kind of heavy angles and everything the uh the kind of chiaroscuro uh the shadows that are kind of cast on the floor and everything so it's not as prevalent in this film as much but uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, mm-hmm. okay, when uh, Igor gets out his little flute and starts playing his flute, and of course he uses the flute to kind of communicate with the monster <laughs> to go out and do his bidding and everything. Yeah. I'm kind of like, it's total Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, you know, the thing is, is this was an A picture still, so yeah. it's... Um, and I, I gotta Production say... values are good. They're, in, they're not just good, they're excellent. Now, there's a difference between... This director and James Whale, James Whale was genuinely an auteur. Mm-hmm. You get that because the way it even says his name in the credits is it just fucking like slams on. Yeah. It says a film by, you know, directed by James Whale. And you know that James Whale is the star of that movie. Yeah. Um, and just like Spielberg and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And John Carpenter. <laughs> but in this movie, um, it's it's got a more workmanlike uh, atmosphere or uh, uh, direction to it. Mm-hmm. However... The production value it is it, it's beautiful. It's lit, gorgeous. I, I they Sumptuous. spent money on it, and 
And some of the set pieces, too. I mean, you do have that sulfur pit below. You've got that big, giant stone door. Yes. I guess the lid, you know, that they have to get the block and tackle with the chains out to open that thing up. It's an excellent movie. I mean, it's it's really where it starts to, for me, kind of get... Um, I don't know, just uh, it, like a little, you said the word sumptuous, so I'm stealing that word from you, but that's where it starts to feel to me. It, I start to, I don't know if it's just because like I've seen the, the prior movies and I just start to kind of get into the vibe of it a little bit more, but I think the fact that it's, despite the fact that it's an A picture, it still has this, it's got a more of a B movie vibe to it yeah. is kind of what starts to appeal to me um, and, and my personal tastes. Um I can, as the series goes on, you can read less and less into it. Yeah. And in some ways, like when I'm watching Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein, th- what we were talking about, the what you read into, does kind of get distracting um, in some ways. Like, it's hard sometimes to watch, um, what's a good example of a movie? Like, uh, what's a movie that, oh my God, that just has like a, when you watch it, you're like, oh, this allegory is so blatant, like it's on its worn on its sleeve, and it becomes intrusive. Mm-hmm. In a way, that kind of happens to me with the first and the second Frankenstein films. This is the first movie in the series for me where it just kind of drops the pretense and becomes more like, "Hey, kid, you want to see a monster's fucking rip a guy's arm off?" <laughs> you know, like it gets a little more. Um, childish and because of that a little more fun for me okay i know that's not everybody's cup of tea but as we get deeper into the series i start to really want that more i find myself wanting more of the cartoonishness and the garishness of it and it does deliver as the series goes on so that's good that's it for that movie (gasps) we saved it i said that's it and we didn't get shocked dude okay all right all right nice Okay. Okay. We're good? I think we're good. Okay. All right. So we move on to part four, The Ghost of Frankenstein. And what year did this movie come out? Okay. So this is uh, 1942. 1942. So we're 11 years beyond the first film. That's right. Okay. Um, and uh, we get an all new everything, basically. Uh, well, I don't know about all new everything. Well, Karloff is gone. Yeah. Karloff is gone and mm-hmm. is replaced by Mr. Lon Chaney Jr. Oh, playing the monster. As yes. the monster. Yes. And, uh, but we do have a returning Bella Lugosi as Igor. As Igor. And I got to tell you, in this movie, Igor don't give a fuck. Dude, his, he's <laughs> fucking awesome. The scenery shows up. At the very beginning, the, the movie girl... starts with him, and like you've got all the townspeople chasing after him. Let's get Igor, and he's on top of like the ruins, this fucking parapet of this old <laughs> castle, and he's just knocking <laughs> shit off, like dropping bricks and he's stuff on people's heads. At people, and by the way, f- congratulations to those stuntmen for not getting killed yeah. on that day because that shit comes perilously mm-hmm. close, and you can see that it's heavy as fuck. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's chalk. I don't know. It looks fucking heavy. The, those guys are barely dodging it, barely making it. But we start off where the last movie left off. We start where the last movie left off. And I fucking love it. Okay. This is where I think it becomes a real departure for me, and I kind of start to tune out a little bit on the Frankenstein series. Because, you know, the stereotypical 
idea of what Frankenstein's monster is, the stiff-limbed, is born in Cheney's performance. You think so? I totally think so, yes. I don't know, man. I, I, I Well, good, I, you don't know, because yeah. I'm here telling you that's what's happening, okay? I do, no, I, I the argue. Whole, the whole stiff-limbed, you know... Oafish, you know, fire bad, you know, that kind of just the the jokey. And we're not even talking about like Frankenstein's monster. This is kind of the area here where it becomes, quote unquote, Frankenstein. You know, the, the monster is kind of, you know inseparable from the name itself now i i i think that it, it is starting to get a little bit caricaturish here. okay i in my mind frankenstein's monster has always been a caricature i think that that's the difference like i have never been able to take that character truly seriously in my for for whatever reason maybe it's because my introduction to him was not these movies yeah. when i was a child there was probably something else i really don't know you didn't ask me earlier before we started getting into this well i don't give two shits to be honest with you <laughs> and, i just i'm just here to tell you you're wrong that's and, all and you know i so that said and uh, we're, i'm still saving my thought that i meant teased earlier about the thing that i think of it's not quite here yet uh when i think of frankenstein's monster um but i just want to for devil's advocate's sake argue or, or present this to you could you call it frankenstein well if it is the project not progeny but well, the I mean, yeah, creation the, the, yes the, the creation then yes i mean you know how often do you know, monsters kind of take on the characteristics of their creator and everything. Yeah. So, yes, I, I, I understand. And I could go through and I could rationalize, you know, why the monster becomes Frankenstein. Sure. But but once again, I think this is the place where it really begins for me. Um, you know, it was Karloff and his performance was just so iconic. And also you can kind of see that the makeup that Pierce put on Karloff uh, is so different. You know, Karloff's facial structure had a lot to do, I think, with the success of that makeup. Well, specifically the first one, because in the second one, he's got his his dental dams in. Yeah, he's got it. Well, because he has to speak, you yeah. know, so he needed to have his teeth in so yeah. he could actually talk, which still he had his lisp. And I think it affects his performance yeah. for me in, in part two. Yeah. Um, but that's why I love part three but, so you much. But, you know, Chaney is a much fuller, a much rounder guy, yeah, especially in his sure. face and everything. <laughs> sure. And you can totally see it. And, you know, I think this is the first makeup too that you'll notice because you'll also see it in the next film in the series as well is that uh, they try to kind of paint in that little hollow spot that Karloff when he took his dental bridge okay. out would create in the cheek okay. and you'll notice on both the Cheney makeups and the makeup which we'll talk about in the next film later and stuff like that. They actually try to paint on yeah, a yeah, shadow yeah. there yeah. to make a sallow looking cheek, but which it's, isn't it's, gonna work it, yeah, on Lon yeah. Chaney. Sorry, it's, Lon, yeah. but it didn't work for you. Instead, he looks like he has a birthmark on his cheek. He has or a something. birthmark and he has uh, you know, <clears throat> about a fourteen day binge drinking <clears throat> look. Looks a little yeah, very, very true. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> but there are lots of things within this movie that I do like. Um and going back and watching it again, because I haven't watched this movie in a very, very long time, I liked it a lot better than I seem to remember liking it. 
Did you oh, rewatch it? Did you do? Yeah, this, I totally, the I totally, okay. I totally rewatched it. Yeah, because uh, it, it, it had been maybe close to twenty years, maybe even longer than that than, since I had seen this. Wow. Movie. Yeah. So for me, I love, I love that the title is literal. I love that it's um, who, who plays it? Who plays? Uh, it's Ludwig Frankenstein as Cedric Hardwick. Mm-hmm. Okay, but who is he in the Bloodline? Is he? He's. I think he's Henry's a, brother. No, he's not Henry's brother. He's Wolf's brother. Really? I think he's Wolf's brother. I'm seeing the second son of Henry Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. So he's Wolf's brother. Man, so he was getting busy. Yeah. All right. And what's the year on this one again? This is uh, 1942. 1942. So a okay. significant amount of time had to have passed, but okay. also because <laughs> significant amount of time yeah. has to pass the way the the series goes. I don't think they gave a shit about that part of it. But Well, another reason why I think why I like this movie so much, too, is that we get Evelyn Ankers in here. Yes. And I have a huge crush and have had a huge crush on... 1940s Evelyn Ankers. Man. Yeah, she's I great. Just, I think, you know, she was in The Wolfman yep. with Lon Chaney, yep. directed by George Wagner. Who directs this movie? Uh, Earl Kenton. Is it Earl Kenton? No, yeah, Earl Kenton directed this one. Mm, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I think it was Wagner it that did this one. It wasn't. No, it was Kenton. Did Wagner produce it? Uh, prop, maybe. Uh, yes, Wagner produced it. Okay. Wagner produced it, yes. Um, I love that the, well, first of all, my crushes in this movie, Ralph Bellamy. Well, yeah. Which, I mean, once again, we're using all these actors from The Wolfman. Yeah. And this, this movie actually started production three weeks after they fin- they wrapped on Wolfman. No shit. Yeah. Three That's weeks. awesome. Okay. All right. So, so I mean, you, you just, you take this kind of stock crew in actors and then move them over into this, this next film, um, you know, I think that it's competently staged. I think that, you know, the editing on it is really, really good. Uh, it, it's got a lot of excitement in it. I think it moves well. Yeah, dude, this movie fucking moves. It's 67 minutes. This is where we're starting to get into it for me. Yeah. Because my uh, this is when I, I I'm a latecomer to the Frankenstein series, man. I really am. I didn't watch these sequels until just only just a few years ago. Yeah, um, I really didn't care for a lot of these movies, but. Uh, as a young kid, which I think is where you find you become a monster kid through that. I became a monster kid in a different way. And uh, it wasn't through Frankenstein. It wasn't through. Well, it these. was because you forgot to take your Ritalin. But anyway, right. but in this, uh, I watched the first time I saw these movies, I was starting with Sun into Ghost and so on and so forth. It just it hit all the sweet spots for me. It was at a point where I'm going like, fucking, why does every goddamn horror movie need to be two fucking hours long? You know, I was just getting so tired of the pretense of film, especially horror film. It was during this period of, well, as we know, Hereditary is one of my favorite horror films of all time. This was unfortunately, the, the witch and all of this stuff were like, horror just becomes a very serious game again. Mm-hmm. Um, I rediscovered these movies at a period where I'm going like, fucking yes, 67 minutes long. Thank you. Like, I can watch three of these tonight yeah. as opposed to like one hereditary, you know? And it really benefits, to, in my opinion, the movie. Because it moves so quickly, there's no fat on it. The story structure is perfectly suited to 67 minutes. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about it as we get further down, but there's another movie in the franchise that suffers from an extended length. Yeah. And this one is where it really 
starts kicking for me of being like, I cannot hate anything about this movie. I mean, it's, despite what I said earlier out. about Cheney's performance and stuff like that, I do like this movie. It's incredible. I think he's I such like a good it. performance. Yeah. Um, I love Lon Chaney, and I, I'll, I'll wait a little bit until we get into that. Uh, but I love that this movie also takes its title literally. That the ghost of Frankenstein shows up literally and goes, hey, you have to complete my work. Mm-hmm. And there's something that I love about this whole series in general is that the, go- the everybody who just takes over the mantle of Frankenstein goes fucking batshit crazy. The doctor. Yes. Yes. They all go crazy. Yeah. And I love that. I love that there's like a curse on Frankenstein and that it is you start getting going down this path. There's no turning back. Yeah. You're going to turn into a madman. Well, let's talk a little bit more about our buddy Igor in this. Movie. Yes. Because, I mean, I- Igor in this movie is sinister as fuck. Ooh, I mean, you know, he doesn't give two shits about anybody. He has his own agenda that he wants to, to you know, bring forth. And it makes me kind of wonder, too, where does the trope of the dopey Igor come from? Because Igor was never a dope in any of these movies. I think, well, I think the first Frankenstein, it's not Igor, but I think Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, that that, that thing, you know, Fritz... Is a dipshit. Is a dipshit. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So is it just that people get confused about the name? And because Igor is such a... Well, because Fritz is not going to work. As the as the name of a of a hunchback, you know, yeah. like Fritz just sounds like the poor idiot. But that's just, <laughs> you know? it's not fair too, yeah. because you know Fritz is a hunchback. Yeah, Igor is not a hunchback. Okay, Igor's he's got, a, got broken, a broken. He's neck. got a broken neck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean that's that's a, a major difference. It's also a lot more disturbing. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not a physical deformity that you'd feel sorry for. It's the fact that he was fucking hung because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and he survived it. And what does he want to do in this entire movie? Fucking kill everybody. Yes. He wants to get revenge. Mm-hmm. And um furthermore, um he doesn't want to be in the body he's in anymore. Yeah. And he wants to be in a body that will live forever. And it actually is one of the more effective parts of the film. Spoiler alert for a fucking hundred-year-old movie. Um, the ending where he convinces... Who's the guy that... Uh, 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 oh, it's Lionel Atwill. Yeah. As the as the other mad doctor. Um, he convinces him to put his brain into the, the monster's head. Yeah. And which they do, which they do. And I actually think that the moment where and uh, I think Frankenstein Ludwig doesn't know it. Right. And so the moment that the monster comes back to life and starts speaking as Bella Lugosi is fucking scary. Yeah, because he's I forget exactly what he says, but he says something like um, like now is my time. You know, he's like there's an ironic comeuppance here because we're running short on time. So we need to kind of bring that up because it's going to set us up here, too. Okay. The monster is blinded in this film. So what happens is that once Igor's brain has been put within the monster's body, he now has this powerful, hopefully, you know, long lived body that he's going to be able to use to go out and wreak his revenge upon the townspeople. But two different blood types. Yeah, exactly. And the monster is rendered blind, which means that he can't do squat because nobody can see him now. It's a very important thing to understand that at this point in the Frankenstein series, the monster is blind. And From here on out. plays, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the thing that people don't understand, I think, in some of the subsequent films is yes. that the monster is blind. Right. And also, my earlier 
you know, the the stereotype of the stiff limbed stuff like that only is exacerbated from here on out. I don't see. I don't feel like I see it in this movie. I feel like I see it in the next movie, big time. Well, um, but. I think that we need to, to touch on that when we get to the next yes. movie. But in this particular film, we just we need to understand that the monster is blind. Yeah, at the okay. very end, the he goes blind. blind. He gets fucking pissed. He throws Lionel Atwell <laughs> into like a machine mm-hmm. and electrocutes him and kills him. Mm-hmm. But then the whole place catches on fire, and we have an awesome shot of the monster getting the, like fire burning and these giant pillars collapsing and on him beams. and beams cracking the windows and uh the the frankenstein and his and anchors are at that sunrise watching mm-hmm. the fire burn it's such a beautiful ending uh and it, it just pumps me up man it's like it's in and out it's done and i'm like thrilled with it at this point i am so on board and i'm really falling in love with the series like that's where yeah. i am this is in the this is at the top for me yeah well, I, I I do like this movie a lot. It yeah. may not have sounded like it at the very beginning of this conversation, but yeah, I do like this movie a lot. You know, there's just certain things that you know the seeds are planted here, and then they begin to develop into some strange fruit. And that <laughs> said, this on. is a B movie, by the way. That obviously at a 67 minute runtime, mm-hmm. I think that that is apparent. Um, but the production values are still it's still Universal, mm-hmm. man, and they are top notch. Yeah. Um, they spent a l- little bit of money on this movie, and it shows. It's still a beautifully lit film. There's some awesome stuff that they do uh, with the cinematography, and I, uh, it's just three overall two, an incredible one. film. Oh! Oh! Jesus Christ! Christ! You long-winded fuck! Oh, they don't call me windish for nothing. Oh, Jesus, Brandon! Sorry, I thought I had it done. I thought I was done. Yeah, no. You had a couple more drops, you know. <laughs> Remember, if you shake it more than three times, you're playing with yourself. Oh, all right. So, what comes next, Brandon? This would be part five in the series. Part five in the series, and the name of the film is Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. So here we go. We're all in right. 1943. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. This movie uh, has a very special place in my heart. Yeah, I, I love this one. Why? Tell I me. Absolutely tell love me. this one. Um, this most definitely the first time I saw this one was on AMC. I remember watching this movie and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I get Frankenstein and the Wolfman. Holy shit! You know that was like once again chocolate and peanut butter, man. It's yeah. like mixing these two things this together. This is the proto Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I I. Loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, and I, I saw it, you know, I don't know, I was probably nine or ten years old when, when I saw this. So it just it was very formative. Uh, I always loved the continuity uh, and the consistency of Larry Talbot um, because my favorite Universal Monster movie is The Wolfman. I just I think out of all the movies that are there, I think it's the best. I think it's the best directed. I think that it is the best written. Uh, I think it's the best performances uh, all around. So I love the Wolfman and any kind of iteration that comes after that, you know, is just fucking great. Well, it's perfect because this movie is a direct sequel to the Wolfman. Yeah. And it has a lot of the same cast. Well, not a lot, but at least it has a. Uh, Malvina or, or Mali- Maleva. Maleva yeah, is so, back. Yeah, and... yeah, Maria Wispinskaya. Right, right. And Lon Chaney is back. And I'm just going to say this. Lon Chaney is what makes this movie mm-hmm. incredible. Yep. This is one of the best performances, I think, of his career. I think it's even... I personally think it's better than The Wolfman. Yeah. 
He looks so sad. And I always have a fun game that I play, and this is fucked up because I, I'm, this is fucked up. But like, you can play this with a lot of actors. I is like it to play a drinking it, game? I like to play it, kind of. <laughs> I like to play it with Donald Pleasance, mm-hmm. Robert Shaw, uh, Lon Chaney is another actor. Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr., yeah. Peter O'Toole, and the game, uh, Richard Harris. The game is called Drunk or Not. <laughs> and all you have to do is decide whether or not they were the drunk when they filmed drunk the scene. in the shot in the scene. Um, that said, Cheney seems lucid and completely one hundred percent absorbed in the performance, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. He's so sad, but I can't help and morbidly laugh every time he begs for someone to kill him. <laughs> I really like a part of me is just like, oh god, the poor guy. He wasn't at the end of his career yet. Uh, like unlike one of the other leads of the movie, um, yeah. But he is. Well, it made it kind of difficult though for him to come back as the monster because who else is going to play the fucking Wolfman? Right. right. Well, not, let's let's talk about that for a second because yeah. initially when this movie was announced, it was straight up announced as Lon Chaney Jr. in the dual role of a lifetime. He was supposed to play both. I didn't know that. the Wolfman and the monster, the and they were, were and they, they put out and a they were going to CGI. <laughs> they were going to fucking CGI him in. They put out a trade, uh, mm-hmm. a poster for it, um, in out there in no Hollywood, shit. and you can see it. It's really cool. It's a really beautiful poster, but and it says Lon Chaney, something like that, in the dual role of a lifetime. Very quickly, they realized. Uh-uh. That ain't gonna fucking work. This isn't gonna work. <laughs> it's gonna be too much of a toll. And it's funny because when I watched it the other night, I'm like laughing. Think about it. His fucking face would melt off after all the makeup he'd have to wear. Dude, it would be with it both would... all that yak hair and then all the frigging collodion and cotton he'd have to be put. And on. the fact that they, when you find him, like after as the Wolfman, he he jumps into the ice pit and rolls around. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking hilarious rolling around in the ice, and he goes back into a human form. If you watch that shit, he's laying in a stream of water and it's real ice everywhere yeah. around him and, I, and it's it real looks piss fucking down his leg freezing too. dude yeah. it looks so cold when he stands up he's his breath is coming out yeah. and i'm like they put that guy <laughs> through fucking so much hell no wonder he drank like could you imagine if he played both roles and but he's so good in this and that's in direct contrast to his co-star in my opinion. Who is Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi. Who was down on his luck at this point and readily accepted the role when they offered it to him. However, they told him he'd have it would be a speaking role. And it was. Mm-hmm. And you can if you watch the movie, you see the monster's mouth, mouth moving. moving and talking. But they cut it because apparently when they showed it, uh his Hungarian accent was so intrusive that everybody just started laughing. No one gives two fucks for Bella. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this water's cold. Throw me the whiskey. <laughs> Which is actually something that Lon Chaney Wait. really said. Pull the string. Pull the string. <laughs> but he plays the monster this time. And it actually is fitting in because as Igor, he now occupies the brain of the monster. Which is kind of how I rationalize That's it That's how well. I rationalize it, but too. But here's the other thing, too. People were always talking about how stiff his performance was. People have to remember, too. He was playing it as blind. blind. But it's they cut never out. It's say not there. anything anywhere that the monster is like blind. An idiot. And he looks like a fucking idiot. And I, I gotta tell I you, agree. Yeah. it's not really a good performance. Um it, even even knowing it, watching it, it's not that good. Yeah. Uh he look it's it's unfortunate, it's sad. He looks a little dependent on 
chemicals. He looks a little, he's big, puffy. It's, he's not doing too well. And I think it's pretty clear. That said, I think he gives it the best he could have possibly given it. The movie itself, I love it. It's a bit of a mess, but I love the film. I really do. This is, to me, again, deep love. Even if that fight between the two only lasts for, you know, a minute and a half at the end of the movie. Yeah. I love that this is the Wolfman's story. I love it. I love how it starts with these dudes breaking in. Yeah, into the uh, the crypt where I love Larry Talbot's... Grabs he grabs... Like Larry and Talbot the look on the guy's fucking face when like, Larry Talbot's hand comes out and grabs him. Almost like Costello in a way. He's like, help me. He like, was he so afraid? He whispers it. Help me. <laughs> like he can't but fucking believe what's happening to him. It's fucking good though. But I mean, Kurt C. Odmack, who wrote The Wolfman, also yep. wrote this script. Yes. And this is one of those things where it didn't seem like it was an awkward collision of these two characters. It's not like that they would just try to mash Frankenstein and put him in with the Wolfman and everything like that. I mean, I think it was kind of well thought out here. In a way it is. Larry Talbot wants to die, okay? (laughs) You know, this curse, he's been killed how many times? But it turns out, no, he always winds up coming back. And he can't die. Well, this is only his second time. He wants to die. This is Wolfman part two. Yeah, that's that's true. He wakes up. He's got a crack on his head. He doesn't understand it. Then he realizes slowly that he Which is, actually the makeup there was kind of effective too. It's you great. Kind of see where, oh yeah, this is where, you know, Sir John cracked him across the, the head out with of that his fucking head. cane. Yeah. And I love that there's a, like the one guy who's like, I recognize you from your fucking scar. And he goes to touch it and Cheney just like hits his hand out of the way. Cheney's performance is like volatile mm-hmm. in this. He does some stuff where he's like fighting and struggling with people that seem so violent He's so good. Dude, yeah. he's so good in this movie. So he yeah. wants to die, and he thinks because he runs into uh, his mother figure, Maleva, Maleva, yeah. and she goes, you know, I've heard, I've heard tell of a Frankenstein who is a master of life and death. So he goes, well, we've got to go. And they have like a quick montage that I guess is supposed to be a month long of yeah. them traveling mm-hmm. together by wagon. Yeah. It's adorable. Actually, I did kind of yeah, mention that here. The, the montage was pretty funny. It's adorable. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm so in at this point, you know, and they get there and only to find out that Frankenstein's dead mm-hmm. and that the town fucking hates him and that his castle's just sitting there right next to a giant dam. Which I love that miniature, man. That Dude, miniature is, beautiful. is it's beautiful. The detail in there is just fantastic. And of course, that's, that's so what does he else. do? He does the best thing ever. He goes, uh, I need the journal. He tries to find Frankenstein's journal diary, stumbles upon I'm condensing here, but yeah. stumbles upon um Well, decides he needs the journal, can't find it anywhere in the room in the castle, so he says, Well, I need to meet the Baroness, mm-hmm. and who who is she? Frankenstein's Elsa, daughter. Is, yeah, his daughter. His daughter. And he goes, I need, man. Frankenstein was fucking yeah. So he's like, I need to, I need, um, and he does it under the guise of he goes, I'd like to buy the castle. So the mayor introduces mm-hmm. him, and then he goes, now can we have a second alone? And as soon as, as soon as the mayor leaves, Lon Chaney is like, I don't want to buy the castle, and she's just like looking him up and down. She is into him. Mm-hmm. Looking him up and down, and he goes, "I just, um, I just wanted to meet you." And she's into it. Yeah, she's like, "Yes." So here's something I need to get because they have a different actress. Okay, Elsa is in the last movie. 
That's right. Oh and my it's god! A wait a minute. It's a different actress. So she okay. bailed. She bailed on. So Wolf? yeah, Eve- Evelyn Anchors. No, Evelyn Anchors is Elsa in the previous movie. Oh, that's right. That's right. But she didn't continue the part for this one. Imagine what that would have fucking been like if you have Gwen Conliffe from The Wolfman. You know, is oh actually God, Elsa. The universe is folding exactly. in on itself. And then, like you know, launch it. Looks like you know, you look like somebody I know. <laughs> That would have been so fucking awesome. Um, that said, the continuity is still there because yeah. the, he's in this. Um, this he's been preserved in ice. Um, the monster is preserved in ice, yes. and Lon Chaney cracks through the ice, pulls him out. It's mm-hmm. not Bella, by the way. It's a stuntman. Yeah. Very clearly, it's his, it's. I think Gil Perkins is yeah. the stuntman. Knocks the ice in his face. You can see the guy trying to like not react to ice getting hit in his face. Um, anyway, go ahead, Chris. What else? What else happens? (laughs) The moon comes out. (laughs) And he keeps telling everybody, he's like, no, you don't fucking get it. It's going to get bad here. I need to die. I need to die. It's just constant talk of like suicide and death, which just makes me wonder how did a 1940s audience respond to this character that all he wants to do is fucking die. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's also this moment where she goes, you know what? Why don't you just come with me to the local we're having a big party. It's a wine festival. festival, And there's an entire five minute sequence. Of them seeing this ode to life and death. Yeah. Or whatever the words are. It's, it's awesome. It's yeah. hilarious. And in the middle of it, he goes, this guy goes up and starts singing to Chaney and um, uh, Elsa, Elsa. And they're on a date. And, and he's, he's singing like, to him. Get the fuck like, out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great scene where like everybody's having a great time. He's like, don't sing that song to me. <laughs> and everybody goes, Jesus, who brought this fucking yeah. nerd to Kill the party? Joy. Killjoy. They all bail. And then some guy goes, I know who you are. And from there, it just starts to get a little more exciting. Yeah. Um, the monster gets loose. The monster gets loose. It's kind of disjointed how that happens. Yeah. You're like, wait, where, where from? Art thou? <laughs> Throws them into the back of a wagon, and they ride away. Um, and uh, then what happens? Then they basically go back to the uh, the laboratory, and then you have your showdown. And I guess the idea is, and this is very unclear to me. It's it like, but I think Talbot Lon Chaney goes, if you can bring, if he can bring life into a creature, he can drain it of life mm-hmm. too. So he goes, we're gonna hook each other up, and we're gonna drain the life from me, but into the monster. Meanwhile, there's another scientist who goes, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll do it. I'll yeah, get it. And yeah. I wasn't doing anything more this weekend anyway. His name is Frank, mm. by the way, Doctor Frank. Frank. She keeps calling him Frank. No, and I'm like, wait, no, who? who? But. It's not qu- clear. He has to he has to read the instructions. The instructions go, so I take the terminal from the positive and put it into the negative. Hmm. And I'm like, that, do you really need to read that instruction? That <laughs> seems like basic <laughs> electric knowledge. But, but it hey. doesn't really matter because what this does is it leads to one of the most awesome fucking scenes <laughs> in all of film history. Two stuntmen kind of... <laughs> Flinging around, the you, fight each scene other around. is amazing. Look, I love it, but it's clear that the director just goes, "You guys figure it out." 
Yeah, but it's great. Go it's from absolutely A great. to B and I mean, figure it out. These are back in the days when basically killing stuntmen was just par for the course. <laughs> I mean, you know, these, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> these guys are going to fucking die. There is an awesome stunt. Um, so Wolfman jumps up on a machine, Frankenstein's monsters on another side, and Wolfman jumps down, tackles the monster just as this huge load of, of water, water from the dam just dumps down because since both the monsters are in the laboratory uh it's been decided that they're going to dynamite the dam the burgemeister and- of all people yeah. goes you know what i'm gonna blow up the dam <laughs> and, and you go dude that's a ballsy move I, I, <laughs> like you could just blow up the castle i don't know that you need to blow up the town property but he he says fuck it and he do- and there's a river running through, which is just fucking fantastic. To spin the too, turbines, you have that awesome, awesome miniature, and it's beautiful, and it's dangerous. Yeah. It looks scary, like that water floods through, knocks Frankenstein's castle out, and of course, damn, that's like the end of it. Like we, got, it's a universal picture. Yep, you know, it just pops up there, and that's it. Um, I love this movie. Yeah, we're in cheeseball territory here, but for me. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. I I'm, just, I'm with you on that one. I love this movie. I do too. And it right. only is um, topped for shut me. Shut the fuck up, Brandon. Shut up. Shut by up. Shut, shut, the stop, next stop. one. Oh, that's it. Okay, we're good. Ooh. We survived that one. <sighs> the family jewels are secure. We're in the home stretch here, Chris. We are. We got just a few more movies. Just a few more. Um, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Alrighty, so the next film in the series is House of Frankenstein. Timer has begun. Earl Kenton's back. Yep. Edward Lowe writes the script. Um, I guess Kurt kind of helped out with it a little bit. Get some polishing on there. What year was this movie released? This is um, 1944. The war's over. No, the war's not over. The war started. The, the war is getting pretty <laughs> war's na- nasty. Happening. You know, this is this is pretty soon coming into the turning point of the war. Um, the movie doesn't reflect it at all. No, not at all. Uh, this is a true monster rally, dude. This fucking movie's got everything. Everything. This is okay. Well, this is the return of Boris Karloff to the series. Boris Karloff, but not as the monster. No. Instead, he is playing a mad doctor. What's his name? Um, Dr. Neeman. Neeman. Yes. Dr. Neeman. Dr. Puppenstein. Dr. Puppenstein. Neeman. And he has an assistant named Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a hunchback. Uh, and is horny as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we've got Daniel. We also have uh, Lon Chaney Jr. back as the tortured. Please God, kill me, uh, Lawrence Talbot. Talbot. Um, we have John Carradine shows up as Count Dracula. As Count Dracula, and dude, he's wild. He's a yeah. weirdo. He's definitely weird. He's a weirdo. And um, I mean, Carradine had appeared before in one of the films. He was in Bride of Frankenstein as one of the hunters that catches the monster with the old blind man and then says, good God, man, can't you see that this is the monster? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. He doesn't know. He's blind. And then, of course, we have Glenn Strange as the monster. Yes. And now this is what I wanted to say real quick. 
When I think of Frankenstein's monster, you think of Glenn Strange. I think of Glenn Strange. Um, there is something to me that is a little more iconic, and I don't know why. I don't really know exactly why. I think it's because, geez, how can I try to explain this? I I think there's again there's a removal of the actor's pretense. Um, when I see Frankenstein's monster portrayed by Karloff, I see Karloff. Always. I just, it's, it's, it's so part of that to me. Mm -hmm. There's something about Glenn Strange, former Western star Glenn Strange, um, in this role where he, he just disappears. He's like background, like. Well, I don't know. At this point, the monster always felt like it was sort of relegated to the background anyway. Oh, he's not a character at he all. Becomes he becomes a fucking henchman. Yeah. You know, that's all he is. And, but, you know, what I like about this movie, though, is that Karloff's return to the Frankenstein franchise is kind of like when you have Sean Connery coming back to play Indiana Jones's father, you know? Yes. Or, you know, who is the only actor alive that could believably make Schwarzenegger look like a bitch? Charlton Heston, you know, in True Lies, you know. <laughs> okay, so sure, sure. So by having Karloff in here, it's that same sort of thing where, like, who could possibly make this look, you know, who who would have the gravitas, the authority to to make this work? And I think that this is the 1940s equivalent of that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, right I, I agree. That's awesome. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. That's a great... And I also think that, that Jimmy Sangster fucking totally cherry-picked this movie for all of his Hammer scripts for... Uh, the Frankenstein movies that Hammer produced. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, it's like the cripple wants his brain into a new body. Oh, yes, dude, this movie has it all. Yeah. What else? What else does he have? What else is the is uh, cherry picked like that? Let's see. Uh, well, what happens is is Nemon escapes from prison along with his fucking dipshit Daniel, yeah. his hunchback, um, and he goes, "I want revenge on the men who imprisoned me and wronged yeah. me." Very similar. Pre- uh, hey. Who's better, Karloff or Igor or uh, uh, Lugosi? As this, because they're essentially the same role. Either. Yeah, um, Karloff. You re- you go okay. Your allegiance is with Karloff. Yeah, yeah. I, Karloff. Karloff brings Karloff a gravitas. Fuck you! <laughs> How dare this asshole bring up Karloff? That limey cocksucker's not fit to smell my shit. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to... Um, Martin Landau. I, okay, so he, he wants revenge. He promises his dipshit hunchback that he'll put him in a new body, <laughs> which ends up not being a promise that you want to fuck around with, uh, and decides in the meantime to go get revenge on all these people. He hijacks a circus train... That claims and of to course, have those shots of Karloff on the damn oh, no, thing me. riding in it. It's like it's almost like the horse shots in uh, what is it? Uh, uh, oh my gosh, what is the Mario Bava movie with Karloff? Oh, Bl- uh, Black Sunday, Black Sa- or Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath at the yeah, end of Black, Black Sabbath. Sabbath, where he's riding that yes. horse. It's the same kind of fucking shot, you know. Yeah, Karloff's rear like, projection. Yes. It's not quite a pro- yeah. <laughs> um, and they go to get revenge on all these people. Um, Oh, 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 he, he, 
revives Count Dracula. Which, that's a cool scene, man. When they pull the stake out Dude. and they reconstitute the body. And his, like, his veins come together. That was a cool oh, fucking effect. I love it. I love yeah, it, man. I, I, I will, you know... I'm not a big fan of this movie and everything. Like that, really? But yeah, yeah. But there's lots of shit to like in here, dude. Okay? I'm at the point where this is I'm this is pure ecstasy for me. Yeah, I am just coming on over the gym. I think it's hokey. <laughs> Watching as fuck. this movie, I think really? it's hokey as fuck. Oh man, but it is. There no, are it totally there is. are a lot of things in here that I like, and that reconstitution of Dracula is fucking awesome. Chris, everywhere you look, there is something to behold. You know, John Carradine's crazy eyes. Oh my God, is hypnotizing <laughs> <laughs> everyone with his mustache. Um, I, but I also love that he ends like Dracula's done like that. Yeah, he just like goes on a horse chase. Falls against his coffin, can't get into it, and fucking turns into a skeleton. He's dead. and then he's done. And, and he's he's like done. he's out of the movie. That's it. Out of the movie. That's it for Dracula. But, you know the fucking horse chase though. If you watch that horse chase, I'm like totally Francis Ford Coppola ripped off yes, this fucking dude. horse chase for Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, for you sure. Can totally see the seeds of. I think it's exciting as hell. I think all of the action in this movie well, like is I super said, exciting. There's cool things yeah. in here. I think the movie overall is a mess, but like Amazon Women on the Moon, you know, I can go through and I can watch bits and pieces of it and love it like here's a question that i that i need answered for me okay why the fuck does dracula turn into a bat only to fly 15 feet <laughs> and bite the fucking burgermeister why why does he do that there, it makes the, no fucking sense it's the only time he turns into a bat yeah, in the entire and it, film and it makes no fucking sense at all <laughs> it's ridiculous I, i'm looking at this going you gotta be fucking kidding he turns into a bat just to fly 15 feet and bite the Just Bergmeister. to make that six-year-old kid go, Yeah, I'm Dracula turning into a bat. I love is my favorite. <laughs> Which is why I love them. Because <laughs> I'm a fucking stupid five-year-old watching this yeah. movie. Okay, so they go to Frankenstein's castle uh, that was flooded at the end, and they find both <laughs> the Wolfman and Frankenstein uh, perfectly preserved yeah. once again. In a lover's embrace. In a lo- <laughs> Kissing each other on the lips. And um, they bring him back. But Neiman, Karloff, wants revenge on these people that wronged him. He wants to do it through the monster. Meanwhile, this dipshit hunchback is like, no, but you promised. You said that uh, you would do this for me. You did, and I'm in love with this gypsy girl. And, of course, the gypsy girl is only got it on for Wolfman Talbot. Yep. By the way... Fucking Cheney! Every woman's throwing themselves at his feet, his hairy feet in this movie. In yeah, every well, movie, I mean, he's got that animal magnetism. I guess maybe they just know where to find the booze. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. Um. So Daniel's in love with this gypsy, but the gypsy's in love with the wolf man. <laughs> you know, let me answer me something else too. Why yeah. is it that like fucking Universal? Uh, I mean, if you the world, the world according to Universal, Universal Pictures, they have created the idea that every Eastern European village has a fucking folk festival or some sort of gypsy dance shit every damn day of the week. (laughs) No matter where you go, if you're in Eastern Europe, there's a fucking gypsy festival or some sort of, you know, folk bazaar going on today. Well, it's Tuesday, so of course that means corn day. (laughs) Come out in the street and celebrate just fucking corn. (laughs) 
It's the 15th, yeah. right? And, yes. And the BDSM shit in this one, too, man. Like, the, the whole fucking whip scene, like, Esmeralda oh from fucking Don Quixote were there just beating the shit out of her. And, of course, then that one person kind of stands up and blocks the view of it. Like, no, no, I want to see. Yeah. Beat that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. So... Where are we, man? Well, uh, in the, in our time? Yeah. I don't know. We'll Come on, talk about this movie. Out. Five minutes. Okay, we got five minutes. All right. Um, so uh, what happens? So there's a crisis point. Um, Nemon wants to revive the monster. Tao turns into a fucking werewolf. Everything just turns into a giant rally. <laughs> um, Daniel's pissed because I think the girl, the gypsy girl gets killed. Yep. And doesn't, the, doesn't and, he you know, throw... Cock blocking, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's basically what this is. Look. Well, you're right. I mean, Larry Talbot does this all the time. Like, in fucking the original Wolfman. Like, Gwen's boyfriend. Dude. He's like, yeah, you're going to come out and take a walk with me. <laughs> Meanwhile, her boyfriend, who works for his dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to have to stand by because my boss's son is trying to fuck my girlfriend. You know, Talbot's favorite album is uh, Animal Magnetism by the Scorpions. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so what happens? I guess fucking uh, Frankenstein throws this dipshit hunchback out of a window, yeah. which is pretty horrific, actually. Um, pretty hilarious. Um, but it has this great ending where the monster... Wait, what happens to, to Talbot? What happens... Oh, the gypsy shoots him. The gypsy um, kills uh, Lon Chaney. Yeah. With a silver bullet, somehow, right? Yeah, he dies, and then she dies. This is a tragedy. Everybody yeah. dies in this movie, and yeah. then the monster fucking bear hugs uh, Karloff. Yeah, and they walk into a into quicksand. Yeah, um, and it's great. And if you look closely, you can see Karloff take a deep breath <laughs> right before <laughs> we go in. <laughs> before he's like, "You're only getting yeah. one take from me here." Uh, uh, yeah. Um, well, it kind of also sets up the look of the, uh, what is it, the the laboratory in this one, too. Because it's like all, it's got that clinical look. You know how like all the other ones prior to this are all fucking stone and wood and chains and torches and all that kind of shit. And this one actually looks modern. You know, it's like white tile and antiseptic and yeah. you know, electronic devices and pumps and syringes. I mean, it looks more medical than anything else yeah it does it does but i I still love it i mean i love the way this movie looks look for me i mean in a way this is almost sacrilege i I, like i i think i think this is my favorite okay once again if this is your favorite movie kind of answer me just a couple more things okay okay? i've got two questions for you okay how popular is baseball in eastern europe a I don't know why. Because one of the guys in the fucking mob is carrying a Louisville slugger. (laughs) I was like, okay, so instead of pitchforks and torches, this asshole has a baseball bat. Real quick, let me go grab my Babe Ruth fucking slugger. (laughs) Yeah, answer that one. Riddle me this, Batman, okay? And then my next question is, why does 71 minutes feel so fucking long? Dude, I disagree. I, I feel like this oh, movie. I thought this movie for for something that's an 
hour and 11 minutes long. I thought it dragged so, I'm so the, much I, ass. I am literally the opposite opinion. I feel like this movie couldn't be over. How much blow are you on when you watch this? <laughs> I, but it's the same time as the first Frankenstein. And I'm the I'm literally flip flopped on it. I'm like when I watch the original Frankenstein, I'm like Jesus Christ, could the 71 minutes be any longer? Yeah, so, I don't know. And you in this it, one, I, I think it's just. But I think it's because everywhere I look, there's something happening. It's so exciting. To me. Yeah, it's so, everything, including the fucking kitchen sink, man. They're just yes. they're throwing shit against a wall just to see what might stick. So yeah, the act of watching a ball of shit fly through <laughs> the air is maybe kind of interesting. You know, it is action. There's things that are moving there, but it's still shit. I don't know. It's, I'm never bored. I'm always engaged. I love all of the iterations of the monsters. Yeah. I love the Glenn Strange version of the monster. I think it's ridiculous. I love um, Karloff as a pissed off dude who holds his breath in the quicksand. I love the dipshit hunchback. Yeah. And I love the gypsy who's so, like, not a gypsy. And I love Lawrence Tall, but just crushing puss left and right. <laughs> I can't, I like, I just think, and again, you could play drunk or not with him, and you just go, What's up, Lon? <laughs> How are you doing today? How are you? When compared with this movie, there's more taste in my penis. <laughs> I don't know, man. I... Ah! It! Ah! Now it's smoked penis. Oh, Boy, it shit. smells like um, like spam and some garlic butter. <laughs> Wish it was garlic butter. Oh, you know, when you burn garlic, it does not smell. That's what I meant. It burns garlic. very bitter. Mm, and oh, hair. Very and bitter. Crepe hair. Mm, mm, crepe hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, what do we got? We got oh, just a couple more here. Uh, what do we got to do next? God, speaking of, uh, you know, 71 minutes feeling like six hours. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> this Christ. Episode. All right. Uh, you ready? Here we go. Yeah. We have yeah. A, um, another back-to-back uh, sequel, and this one's called... Oh, this is uh, this would be considered the part seven. This yeah. would be the new blood of the series, or the uh, new nightmare, or the... Uh, uh, H2O of the series. <laughs> um, uh, here we go with House of Dracula. All right, so this is Earl Kenton's back again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is Edward Lowe. We're at another 67 minutes, and this is a direct sequel, just like all of them, mm-hmm. um, to House of Frankenstein, but this is mostly about Dracula. Yeah. Um, and if you stop collaborate and listen no, i was gonna say no 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 listen do you smell something yeah that's the steaming turd that is <laughs> house of dracula all right i hear you i but i haven't a, a, i look, cannot distinguish at this point you know it's like i get it okay. i do it i do get it into i had a little bit of burnout crap. watching this movie yeah i i, I was at a point because i did i straight up marathon this series so i was at a point watching this where i was getting done um but get her done but that said all right here's what we got so this is uh 1945 the year the war is over (laughs) is it (laughs) well it depends if is it august is it september december then yes the war is over the war is over (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, we've got, uh, once again, a returning Lon Chaney, this time with a sensitive mustache. 
He's kind of like Richard Benjamin in, in Westworld. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> or, or you right now. <laughs> Chris, you've got a fucking mustache. You wish you could have stash like It looks this. good. It does look good. Oh, um, so we've got Lon Chaney comes back as Lawrence Talbot. who just can't fucking die. Oh, the poor son of a and bitch. John and John Carradine with back. him crazy fucking eyes. Dude, look, let's talk about John Carradine. What do you think? You don't like him. No, I... He is lanky. Mm-hmm. He's weird looking at his chin and the way he speaks and everything. Like he has yeah. a nose job. Yeah. Well, you know, he's it just if I I'm so used to to John Carradine from things like The Howling, House, House of Shadows, uh, where he's an old arthritic man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Howling. Uh, what else is it? The The Monster Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or uh, what about uh, Night Train to Terror? <laughs> you know, so, you know, he's got those big swollen eyes. He's got the, just the horrible, just disfigured oh, arthritic hands yeah, and everything. Yeah. Oh. I mean, God love him. He was still, you know, still making movies. But yeah, I'm used to seeing him as an old arthritic werewolf. Um, I think he's interesting as Dracula. He's because obviously, you know, and if you listen to a past episode, we do a quick little thing where we compare, we try to do our top five favorite Draculas in movies, and he doesn't get even mentioned. Um, well, because he's in wearing a, the top hat and everything too. Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of he. He also has the mustache. Mm-hmm. He tr- so the story goes, he tried really hard. To make his Dracula look like the Dracula that From is described book. in the book. And Universal was like, no. No. You need to look like fucking Bella. That's what people know. But I'm not Bella. <laughs> oh my god. John Carradine's here back from the dead? Yes, I have returned from the dead. John, um, did you teach your son how to jack off? Which son are we talking about? So uh, the one with the bag on his head? Yes, of course. Okay, not the nerd. No, not the nerd. <laughs> but can you tell me okay. about him? Uh, I heard he's a white wait. beater. Is he not? Yeah, that's what I hear. Is it true? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I heard he, he, he just likes to hit women. No, no. 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 <laughs> okay. You're not John Carradine anymore. You've turned into Lon Chaney. <laughs> <laughs> Have another drink, Lon. You're living in your father's shadow. It's okay. Um, so we get Glenn Strange back as the monster. Uh, Lionel Atwill, of course, is back. You know, we've. I feel like we've lost focus on the Frankenstein aspect of this whole thing. Well, that's because it's called House of Dracula. It really is focused on Dracula. Dracula just fucking shows up as a bat with strings clearly visible. Mm-hmm. We're not even. They don't even what, give like a shit on strings. <laughs> yes. Is he making tea? Yes. You, dude, when you see that bat, the amount of strings attached to it to make it operate is out of fucking control. Like, how many strings need to operate a fucking fake bat? At least 12. Yes, it's a marionette. It's a dying art form. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason they've gone all CG yeah. now. Um, but I do still love it. Um, all right, so Dracula shows up. Look, at this point, I don't think the plot matters. Uh, Dracula just wants a cure for vampirism. So he shows up at this crazy, uh, this doctor's house. Dr. Frankenstein, it's, I don't want to be a vampire anymore. It's not Dr. Frankenstein. He, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, Dr. Franz Edelman is who plays this, this Back guy. Dr. Franz Edelman. And he shows up in his house. He turns into a bat. He floats into his fucking study. He turns into Dracula. The guy's passed out asleep. 
and he wakes holding a book and he wakes up and he goes hey, who? now who who the fuck are you and he's like my my name is um Todd and uh I'm sorry I I just needed to get and he's like it's fucking five in the morning what are you doing in here and he goes you need to I'll explain everything by sunrise and he basically tells him he goes I'm Dracula okay maybe you've heard of me I'm Dracula and the guy goes sure you are okay and he goes and I need a cure for my vampirism and the guy goes <laughs> okay fine I'll help you I see you brought your coffin to my basement you got it and they start this blood transfusion process uh, fucking Larry Talbot shows up again <laughs> going like please God kill me and he's got a mustache this time mm-hmm Everybody's got a mustache. Even the monster has a mustache. Everybody has a mustache in this movie. I love... Um, well, you know, Glenn Strange was kind of like Cesar Romero when he was playing the Joker. I'm not shaving the mustache. So I'm not shaving my bush. <laughs> <laughs> if you look close, you can see Frankenstein's pubes are out of control in this movie. Well, all the electricity, man. It's... <laughs> Just that's what, our, it's what our pubes look like right now after being shocked in the balls how many times? Enough. Yeah. Enough. Um... I shucked in the balls and you're to blame, darling. Brandon talks way too fucking long. Okay, I'm sorry. You turn. You I go. I don't want to say anything. You don't want to say anything about this movie? No, I hate this fucking movie. I heard, you know, there's, there's what, uh, what is it? George Mank, the, he's a historian. He says, this is the last serious entry in the Frankenstein saga. And it's like, okay, buddy, if you say so. So you straight up hate this movie. I hate this fucking Chris, movie. Chris, this is how I feel about it. I'm with you. I don't, I think this is on the lesser end of the series, mm-hmm. but I kind of have an adage about these movies, very similar to the Bond films. Um, and yeah, he, but here's the thing, okay? Eon Productions, even for the shitty ones, is spending tons and tons of money. This has gone from a A movie franchise to a B movie franchise, and now it is a C movie franchise. This movie looks the cheapest of all of them, yes. um, and it does, it really drags. However... <laughs> Do some drugs and watch the part where the doctor has, like, a fever dream about, like, I don't know. He, there's a sequence where this doctor has a fever. Oh, because he gets some of Dracula's blood uh, inside of him, mm-hmm. this doctor. And he turns into a mad doctor. And I actually, he's kind of creepy as the mad doctor. He's scary looking to me. He's scary. Um, but he has this, like, fever dream. Oh, and by the way, the hunchback. <laughs> Oh my god! The Mad Doctor has an assistant. Is it Stu? Uh, what, the, what the fuck's his name? The doctor? No, the assistant. His assistant's name is Nina. It's the best part of the movie. He's got this beautiful brunette assistant. And you only see her from behind oh, the test yeah. tubes. Jane you only see her from behind all the test tubes. And she's and he's like, get, here's Dracula's blood. Get me a sample of this. Because when he looks in through the microscope, he sees these dr- hand-drawn cheetah spots. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, something looks like, all right here. Now, quick, get me a blood smush. <laughs> and he gives it to her. And it cuts to the shot of this beautiful brunette from not behind the test tubes. And she's got a hunchback. <laughs> And he goes, if we find a cure, you will be the first to reap its benefits. And he, like, gives her this friendly pat on the arm. But first you've got to fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, yeah, heard that one before. But she's the hunchback. Okay, so this movie really does. I, I don't I really don't know what's going on. There's like a spore. They're trying to make a spore. 
and they instead of do you don't know do you know like did you really tune out of I this fell, I fell asleep <laughs> <laughs> fucker you fuck <laughs> I had to squeeze all these things in. Yeah, okay. no, I, I I fell asleep at this point. All I was right, like, so look, mileage no. may vary with this one. I but like Bond, um, any Universal Frankenstein is better than no Universal Frankenstein for me. Okay, well and, I'll give you that. I mean, like, look, what's the last Frankenstein movie that Universal put out? Was it Van Helsing? I don't know. Victor Frankenstein. I don't. I really don't Did know. Did Universal do that? I don't. I really don't know. I, I could not tell you. I mean, I watched Van Helsing. I mean, it's like, okay, you got Hugh Jackman in there. You know, there's a bunch of people. Schuler Hensley played the monster who actually played the monster in Young Frankenstein on Broadway and everything. So it's like, I watched that movie. Sherman Hemsley? No, not Sherman. No, Schuler Hensley. Oh. Sherman Hemsley plays the monster Schuller. in Van Helsing? Schuler oh, Hensley. Oh, man, I would have, I, I would have preferred that. In my Van Helsing. Do you want me to bitch slap you again? <laughs> no. Okay, it shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hell no, what Sherman Hensley? <laughs> he was too busy starring in Ghost Fever too. Uh, although you would probably need to smoke a little Sherm to be able to fucking enjoy this movie. I I I get it. <laughs> I get it. I um I, I really started zoning out on this one. It it this so to me, this is another merciful sixty seven minutes. At 57 minutes, I remember. At fi- no, like, yeah, 57 minutes, I did a quick pause and I was like, how much longer? Okay. At 57 seconds, I think I fell asleep. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, I think there's enough in here if you're really a fan um, of, of this series that there's enough to keep your <laughs> attention, but it is not. Again, it has everything you could want in a movie. It's got Wolfman going crazy uh, in a jail cell, attacking people. So you get Wolfman transformations in the first five minutes of the movie. You got Dracula. He turns into a bat like three times. And it's yeah. a cartoon. Uh, no, it's a black. He goes from a black uh, John Carradine with his cape spread wide into like a black oil yes. slick into a mechanical bat spread with that. 20 strings spread on it. that cape. Baby, you got a creepy mad doctor. I think he's creepy. Creepy, um, yeah, creepy baby. Dude, there's a scene where he's uh he jumps on a a wagon with his buddy, his friend, who's like the horse driver, mm-hmm. the wagon driver, and he's like interrogating him. He's a mad doctor at this point. He's insane. Yeah. He actually looks frightening, and he's talking to the guy. He's like, "Why won't you look at me?" And the guy's like, "I don't, I, I don't know what you mean. I'm just trying to drive these horses." And he goes. You're afraid that if you look at me, you'll know that I'm mad. And he's like, I And we shall become lovers. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to ride these horses down the, the fucking street here, buddy. And if he goes, you don't look at me, you will make me mad. It's great. And he finally goes, look at me. That if you're, if you're not scared, look at me. And he looks at him. And he's like, oh! He's like terrified. He goes, I'm not going to tell nobody nothing. I promise. He goes, you're goddamn right. You won't. He fucking bites his throat out. It's wild. It's like. How shitty was 
the Wolfman makeup though in this movie. Okay, it actually looks the most different from all the other Wolfmans. It's because I don't changed, think it's Lon Chaney because they changed the hair that they were using too. Oh really? They went from using yak hair to, to some other pubes. Blade. Yeah, I think it was pubes. It's Chaney's actual pubes. <laughs> Chaney and Clint Strange. No, it's just, it, 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 <laughs> it just it looked so terrible. You know, the nose looked wrong. The fucking texture of the hair looked wrong. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Mm. But let's talk about Frankenstein's monster. He really doesn't do anything in this movie. In fact, I'm as we're talking, I am having a really hard time even recalling. Oh, yes, no. Because the it, movie sucks. It ends with recycled footage from uh, Ghost of Frankenstein. That The castle burns down and it cuts to a shot of uh, Ghost of Frankenstein where the, the castle collapses on the monster and he dies and that's it. Um, look, it isn't great. I don't want to say it sucks. I can't just... I just can't bring myself to shit on it Okay. Well, since Brandon is unable to do what needs to be done, I will tell you that it sucks. Okay. And we got 45 seconds to talk about this movie. Is there anything you want to talk about before we end it that, you know, could work in regards to it? You could skip this movie and not miss anything. Just watch House of Frankenstein twice. I say for completists, it's a must, but I'm with you that it's probably the least of the series. That's it. 25 seconds to go. Yeah, it, that's not worth me getting my balls shocked over. Okay. Oops. <clears throat> um, well, here we go. We got one more. Mm-hmm. We got one more. <clears throat> All right. We are on the home strip. Well, we are. Yeah. And this is part eight. Now, okay. There's a So little... this is Frankenstein Takes Manhattan? <laughs> or, um, or uh, Frankenstein Resurrection? Uh, or what's Nightmare Part 8? Mm. Freddy versus Frankenstein? Yeah, Freddy versus Frankenstein. No, we already did that. Okay. Or <laughs> what's another Part 8? What's Halloween? Oh, I said that. Resurrection. I'm sure Ch- Chainsaw Massacre is just at Part 8 part, by now. first part, I'm just say Erection. Okay, Boner. <laughs> uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking about boners. Hello, I'm Todd Boner, sitting across from Chris Boner. <laughs> Spelled with an H. Um, so you could argue that this is a part of the franchise, that it is not a part of the franchise. I think both of us here agree. This honestly is probably the nail in the coffin of the franchise. For sure. <laughs> and the name of this film is... Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. All right. So Bud Abbott and Lou Costello were a comedy duo, a couple of slap-happy dipshits um, who hated each other. <laughs> Uh, they were an old act. Who's on first? Um, What's on second? I don't know who's on third. I think they function better as a audio act um, in a way because they're like the Marx Brothers in a way that it's just kind of like back and forth dialogue. I will say I always get them confused as to which one is which. Bud Abbott is the tall the straight one. man. Yes. Yeah, and then Costello's the fatty. Yeah. Uh, Rosie O'Donnell. He uh, does some great... <laughs> physical stuff with his face throughout the whole you know thing he's he's always afraid um but i like my comedy to be a little more physical personally yeah um when i'm watching it on screen and uh okay that said here we go abbott and costello meet frankenstein go ahead chris this is probably one of the first universal monster movies i saw 
Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I do have another kind of soft spot in my heart for this one. Yeah, I do too. As I've gotten older and I go back and watch it, it's not as much fun for me to watch as it was when I was a little kid. Um, you know, the novelty of seeing, you know, a super group of, of all your monsters sure. together. You get Bela Lugosi back in the Dracula cape and everything, yes. which was kind of sad. I Is don't know. It? Yeah, I was looking at it and I'm kind of like, yeah, he just he doesn't have the presence. He's out. That he I mean, he's had. really at the end of his rope yeah. here, unfortunately, but I like that he the first time you see him, he's looking at Costello through the coffin and he's got this like his eyebrows are like <laughs> What the fuck is this? This is the whole thing where they're... Uh, because, <laughs> I mean, basically, Abbott and Costello, which it's Chick and what's the other one's name? I can't remember. Um, they're not called Abbott and Costello no. in the movie. Either. It's Chick and... I'm trying to remember what the other guy's name is. But anywho, they're delivery guys and they're... Wilbur. Okay, Wilbur and Chick. <clears throat> they're delivering a box to a... What is it? It's like a wax museum. A couple of boxes to a house of horrors. Yeah. And it's... One of the boxes contains supposedly Dracula's remains and the other box contains the Frankenstein monster. monster. And there's just this whole kind of gag where the box that contains Dracula keeps opening and... Lou Costello is seeing the monster and then when Bud Abbott comes back in you know the coffin closes and he's not there and you know it's just kind of a, a you know shtick I mean yeah. it's just it's, it it's is a shtick that's they're extended shtick. for a very, yes, long, very time. long time it goes on for about 20 minutes <laughs> um, so I just will I'll say this this is where if all these other movies at least are a merciful 67 minutes long this is the one that kind of goes back to the long mm-hmm. type screen uh, screen time and this yeah. movie is like 80 something minutes long um and it one of the things that i started to get addicted to in the uh middle chunk of the series is the structure of that 67 minute structure Mm -hmm. um i love that it just like at 40 minutes you know the ending is about to happen you know it's like building up into that third act this one stretches itself a little too long for me there's like a whole second act that could be severely condensed, in my opinion. That kind of at at a certain point the shtick. Well, it's is like a they, they, do, they do the same kind of shit. Yeah, like like w- the stuff that happens with Dracula, or when uh, Lou Costello encounters Larry Talbot as the Wolfman for the first time. You know, he's locked him in a room. He tells him, "You need to lock me in this room. You got to lock me in this room." And he goes and locks him in the room, and then he's like, ah, oh, wait a second, I left something in the room, you know, and he goes and he unlocks it and everything. And meanwhile, the wolfman's there in the room with him, which he doesn't see, and he's stalking him, and he's like, do I steal a piece of fruit? Do I not steal a piece of fruit? But it's like this – it happens the same with almost every single fucking monster in the movie. It does. It goes on. So that's the thing. We get everything – everybody comes back. We get the Frankenstein monster mm-hmm. played by – is it it's Glenn Strange? It's Glenn Strange again, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, we get um, Larry Talbot, the Wolf. Lon Chaney's back. Um, and Bella Lugosi as. And I guess the overall plot here is that Bella Lugosi wants to resurrect the monster, but he needs Lou's brain to put in the monster. Yeah. So, so Lou Costello <laughs> is a dipshit, and he's got the s- smoking hot woman. That shows up 
and she's like, "Oh, I love you. You're just, I just everything about you I love." And uh, Bud Abbott's like, "I don't fucking what the fuck? What's going on here?" And he's like, "What can I say? I'm just a charming fella." Wah. But she's really concerned about his brain and whether or not he's hurt or injured his head. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that she's in league with Dracula. Just like you said, to procure brain. a brain, and I don't know, it gets pretty convoluted, and it goes on for a really long time. Um, mm. But he has like a nine-inch cock too, so I mean, it's like, <laughs> you, I mean, isn't that how nature always works? It just kind of balances things out. Well, there's a great no thing brain, where, there's a, and there's, a big wang. There's another girl mm. who shows up who works for an insurance agency. Who thinks that whoever's shipped in the Frankenstein's monster and Dracula? Yeah, and they're trying to kind of follow these guys and catch them in that because they think that they're trying you know, to just take money, rip, it, rip, like, everybody, rip everybody off. off. So this girl also, but they're poses, morons. So we'll just follow them and see what happens. And this other woman like poses <laughs> as another paramour to Lou Costello, much to Bud Abbott's like disdain, disdain, mm-hmm. or in- incredulous, just kind of like what? And there's a uh, there's just. Some, a great scene where they're like, "Well, we're going to go to this dinner, and I'm taking Lou Costello's both of these getting women. more pussy <laughs> than fucking Lawrence Talbot is in this movie." That's true. This is the first time, which really kind of shows you that this is jump the shark. Oh yeah. Okay, this movie originally was called The Brain of Frankenstein, which fits its plot, but they kind of went, you know what? Let's put the marquee value name on here of Abbott and Costello. And this was one in many Abbott and Costello. I mean, there's Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. There's Abbott and Costello meet the Mummy. Meet the Killer, Boris Karloff. Yes, they meet uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Maybe. I don't know. Actually, I think it's Karloff that plays Jekyll and Hyde in that one. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot. They really kind of ran that one into the ground. Um, To the point where those guys stopped making money and um well and just couldn't stand one another too and i mean there's a lot of personal tragedy too if you know anything there about is. costello like you know his daughter died oh it's sad it's yeah, pretty it's, tragic but yeah. you want to hear a funny story sure um so errol flynn the actor mm-hmm. um claims that he is the one that basically split the two up oh yeah yeah and he says so i invited them I invited them over to my... Yeah, with an Australian accent. Oh, I invited them over to my use. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, um, that was perfect. Perfect, thank you. Yeah. And they accepted, mate. Good day. Okay, I can't do an Australian accent. Fuck you! So they he invited them over. Is he... Errol Flynn's Australian? Yes. Australian. Australian. Okay. So they invited... He invited so I put a shrimp on the body. He invited them over to his house... And uh, he was like, okay, I'm going to show you guys um, some home movies from me and my, my wife and I, our trip to fucking, I don't know, Argentina or whatever. And it was fuck. nothing but Errol Flynn fucking both of their wives. It was, it was a hardcore pornography. It was a prank that he played nice. on them. And um, and everybody was embarrassed. And Errol Flynn's like, <laughs> I'm a, such a prankster. But Costel- Abbott and Costello blamed each other for the switch up like they were like you're the one who brought this fucking bullshit to errol's house and played it in front of our wives and our whole families and then uh costello was like fuck you you're the one who brought it why would i do something like that you fucking brought it and they it got like very nasty and it kept escalating and escalating meanwhile errol flynn's like uh (laughs) jokes on Mm -hmm. you 
Meanwhile, they're like, okay, if you really think that I would have brought this porno over, then we're fucking finished, you piece of shit. We're done. Okay, fine. Fuck you. And, like, it just escalated that badly. And Errol Flynn was like, okay. And they, like, left the party. And Errol Flynn was like, I think I, uh... I thought you said this was going to be a funny story. Just did the world a favor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty fucking funny. Um, I don't know. I I... This movie came like I rewatched. I've always kind of loved this movie. When I rewatched it for this, I was really getting Franken fatigued. Yeah, and uh, at this point, I was kind of just like ready for things to be yeah done, kind of done. Um, that said, I actually think the movie has some really great stuff in it. I think there is a lot to laugh at. There's, I mean, it, it, it is funny. It's just it's horribly dated. It's you know? fun to see Bella though back. Yeah, and just, I, I it made me kind of sad. It it did not instill the same emotions in me that it did when I was a kid. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of things that I'll go back and I'll watch that I haven't watched in a very long time. And a lot of time, a certain nostalgia factor is there because I mean, I still think very highly of Abbott and Costello. Sure. I mean, who's on first is fucking comedy genius. We're going to do our, we're going to do our interpretation of it right now. Here we go. Who's on first. That's what I'm asking. Who's on first? I think, the answer to that question would be better understood if you looked what? who's on the second bit. Huh? <laughs> God, no, suck. keep going. <laughs> no, <laughs> this no, is gold. No. We've got four more minutes to fill. <laughs> Honestly, I, I just say let's end early and just take the fucking shock, man. I just, I, I can't. Look, personally, I think the shock is all in our heads. Really? Okay, I don't necessarily think that we were even really being shocked. I'm not even 100% certain that I believe that the driving gods are listening to us right now. How would they? Are you kidding me? I then why do I have jumper cables hanging from my nuts? I don't know, man. Look, if I were to just say, fuck the driving gods, what happens? You got an erection, didn't you? I did. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's wrap it up then with uh, Abbott and Costello. Let's let's. Why don't we? How about we do this? How about we spend the next three and a half minutes arguing about what the ranking of the series is? Okay, I okay. think we can do that. Yeah. Okay. So your what is your number one? My number one. Yes. I still think the original is the best. That that's the that's, first yes, Frankenstein. The first and Frankenstein, yeah. you would say that the absolute bottom of the barrel for you would be House of House Dracula. of Dracula. Definitely. So, for me, I think my personal favorite is house of frankenstein really yeah and i think my least favorite okay then i've got to kind of shake this up a little bit because you know we're talking about like favorites are we talking about what we think is best well i that's you know how we are like i can't like look i could uh... because i mean i would go through and i say personally i think like the best and i I mean i can even say kind of favorite would be the original frankenstein because but frankenstein meets the wolfman you know now we're talking chris you know that's that's there's a certain nostalgia factor in yes. there. I think it delivers on everything I want. I mean, I'll even throw in Ghost of Frankenstein. Yes. There. There's a lot of things in Ghost of Frankenstein that I absolutely adore. Son of Frankenstein, you know? And I think I'd even put some of those movies over Bride of Frankenstein. Yes, I'm as with you. Pa- as far as being favorites. But if I kind of have to look strictly at like the structure and everything, too, I think that probably Bride of Frankenstein is a better made movie than some of those. Okay. Um, but are, is it my favorite? No. 
Yeah. Do I think it deserves the accolades that it gets? Yeah, I do. Sure. I'm with you on that, too. But I, it, I agree. But, but, you know, but it's just preference. Yeah. My preference is not that one. Yeah. And it will never be. It just won't. I... It gets to a point for me where those performances are a little too arch. Yeah. It's a little too campy. Um, and yeah, we're talking about my favorite being the one where they're all fucking fucking around, jumping around and being crazy together. But I, it's kind of like how I like my Freddy. I, I like my Freddy like I want my MTV. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie is probably well, Part Four. I'm not going to say that so, I'm, a, I'm a purist and everything too, but you know, here, here's the other thing too: is that I I tend to like the originals better, and I think the farther away that you get from them, you know, very rarely do they kind of live up to the hype. I'm not a fan of Nightmare Four and Five. I mean, there's things to like in there. Yes, there yeah. are things to like in there and everything too. But it's like one and three, you know, are like my favorites. Sure. Same kind of thing with Frankenstein. You know, one I, I dig a whole lot. Three I dig a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but you know, the farther you get away you're a big fan of halloween four and five i am which i hate those movies yeah, right i hate those movies i think that it's just a waste of time it felt like a cash grab sure um and you know i even like part two even with the fact that you're saying that that laurie strode and michael myers are related you know yeah. brother and sister you know i was all right with that. hey that's in part two at least none of these fucking frankenstein sequels ever tried to relate Frankenstein and Wolfman together. They sure did share the screen a lot, didn't they? Yes, they did. Look, the bottom line is that these Frankenstein movies are a lot of fun. And I feel like you could do worse for your Halloween celebration Mm -hmm. than watching this series as a whole. I love these movies. They really bring something out of me that is missing, I think, in a lot of modern horror films. So... um, I really genuinely appreciate it. That's good. I was trying to wrap it up. I mean, I thought I had done it, and I thought you guys had stopped listening. Oh, Lord have mercy. Is that it? Are we finished? I think so. Can you move? Yeah, I can move. Can you move? Yeah. How are your nuts? Oh, feels like I've got a cinder block in my belly, and there is an odd tingly sensation in my scrot, but not wholly unpleasant. Yeah, not surprised. Hey, is uh, Pubeca alive? Has she even fucking moved? I don't know. Here, um, t- here's a here's a yardstick. Go, go poke her. Fuck you, you poker. It's only fitting after her wanting to poke you. Oh, come on, man. Don't puss out on me now. Oh, it's sticks and stones, motherfucker. Oh, Jesus Christ. My eyelashes just melted. It's in my mouth. There's like a sumo diaper full of weak old king prawns. God, get it out of here. Oh. We, we, we gotta do something. Okay, where's the book? What book? The book! The little book of big boy magic. Oh, uh, here. Toss it! Uh. Okay. I think I got it. Hold on. Jesus. Okay, uh, here we go. <clears throat> Flatuous! Maleficarum! Spickety Span! Shit, it didn't work. Shit! It didn't work! Can we get a window open in here? Do we have your attention now? Remember, we are 
Ta-ta for now, ass nuggets. like that totem chip man yeah sweet me too eagle scout (laughs) hey where'd you get your battle axe though we run a drive-in dude dorks are always leaving weird shit behind that's a good that's a good point so what are we gonna do with this uh eight piece velociraptor bucket you just made i know a barbecue joint south of the border that deals in primeval meat no problem well, that wraps up another episode of Dead City Drive-In. Hey, happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Once again, I'm Brandon Windish. And I'm Chris Holcomb. And remember, at this drive-in, if the cars are rocking, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's fucking. They're probably getting murdered. Murdered. <laughs>